seek professional help. Nobody cares. I don't care. You don't care. Nobody cares. I don't comprende espanol, amigo. This ain't the end. I am the Belgrathian Mexican. Everything tonight has been ruined. Jalapenos? A lot of nuts involved in this thing. It's a big word. It's a big one. Vince, come on out. Maybe the night show, man. Oh, no. I'm not supposed to be upset. Tony, we can shut up. It's too late now. I know Eric Bishop, and you're no Eric Bishop. Cockroach in my apple pie. Now, nothing that happened here tonight even vaguely resembles professional wrestling. That very graphic footage has got to stimulate these men. Hello, Nitro Maniacs, and welcome to another dried meat filled episode of the Nitro Mania podcast. And for the record, I'm not just talking about Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage. I am talking about the fact that this is our Halloween Havoc. <clears throat> Sorry, this is our Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc 1996 Super Sode. This is the 59th edition of the Nitromania podcast, meaning there is now one episode for each stellation of an icosahedron for you D&D nerds out there. One episode for each stroke in the lowest score recorded in a single round on the LPGA Tour and the Champions Tour. There are jokes to be made, but I will not make them. And you know what? This episode has me... Looking for fun, feeling groovy. I don't know why I did that. And with that said, let me bring in my guest. Joining me this week for the Super Sode, quite coincidentally, on the one-year timeline anniversary of the last time he joined me for a Super Sode, the host of the Raw Attitude Podcast and my very good friend. It is Henry Hugepex, the suplex-throwing human duplex. Henry, how are you on this fine eve? I'm great. It's great to be back on another Halloween Havoc episode. So I, I brought fun-sized Snickers, if anybody wants them. Oh, Wonderful, wonderful. I feel like this is... Oh, oh, speaking of which, is that is there did you, someone at the door? Did, did you invite someone? Uh, well, it's Halloween, so maybe somebody's knocking on the door for some uh, some treats. Uh, all right, uh, come in. Trick or treat! Hey! Sal? Yeah, I heard you guys were uh, giving out candy. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, Henry Henry happened to bring some... Why are you dressed like the booty man? Well, because yeah. because I, I, I heard it was Halloween, and I just grabbed the first thing that I saw in my closet and decided to come by the house and get some candy. Where you... It, oh, no. It's, it, so, look... It's, it's, it's Halloween Havoc. We're co- it's, Sal, it's February. Oh, damn it. Wait, Halloween Havoc, like the WCW pay-per-view? Yeah. Wouldn't happen to be the 1996 version, would it? Well, it, it it is actually. Oh, I, I just happened to watch that. I can I'd be happy to you, join in on this little story. Wow, you want to hang yeah. out? Yeah, Henry, now, give that man like, a Snickers. Uh, yeah, do you like Good and Plenty's or Mike and Ike's? Which one? Uh, Mike and Ike's, please. Fair enough. Oh, good call. Let's keep the Snickers for ourselves. Uh, yeah. Okay, well, it's the the host of the WrestleMania Salvation Podcast is here. Hi, Sal. Hey, good to be here. Good to be here. We've, we've never had a. a invader on the on the nitro mania podcast before but we do have an open door policy here at rundown studios north so okay what a, let's continue what about i guess uh, south we don't oh, talk about rundown okay. studios south. Mm. for those of you who haven't been following along perhaps if you've come over from the raw attitude podcast or i guess even from wrestlemania salvation and this is your first time listening let's have a quick recap of where we are and how we got here uh this is halloween havoc 
fuck, Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. <laughs> uh, and yes, you have to say the full thing, whether you like it or not. Uh, your main event tonight is Hollywood Hogan defending the WCW World Heavyweight Championship against the Macho Man Randy Savage. This feud started two months ago at Hogwild, where, as we were told, Macho was held off the card in order to be given the first shot at either the Giant or Hollywood Hogan, whoever walked out as champion. Of course, Hogan walked out as champion, and the first title shot went to Ric Flair at a Clash of the Champions event a few weeks later, but we don't talk about that. <laughs> On to War Games. Hogan was in the War Games match itself, so there was no title shot there. Macho instead fought the Giant in a one-on-one affair. Uh, initially, this was because Macho was upset at the Giant for losing the title, but then the Giant joined the NWO, so it became about that instead. He is still trying to tell you about Ted DiBiase's house. Uh, tonight, he finally gets his title shot, and the epic build-up to this match has included Macho leaving the arena in tears in the middle of an episode of Nitro, and last week, cosplaying as The Undertaker. Mm. Elsewhere on the card, Ric Flair was supposed to defend the United States Championship against the Giant, but he got beaten up in the back a couple of weeks ago and has to have surgery, so Jeff Jarrett is taking his place. I mean, one blonde strutting figure four applying white guy for another, right? Uh, I have no idea if it's still a title match or not. Uh, Harlem Heat defend their tag titles against the Outsiders tonight, so expect them to lose. Chris Jericho goes against six, I believe, and there's probably a Cruiserweight title match and maybe even a TV title match, even though we'd never see the TV title on Nitro. Uh, Before we get into the show, a quick rundown of your champions. Expect... I would say almost all of these to be different by the end of the show today. Uh, Harlem Heat have been your tag champs for 26 days. Lord Steven Regal has been the television champion for 68 days. Hollywood Hogan, the world champion for 78 days. Rey Mysterio Jr., the cruiserweight champion for 111 days. And Ric Flair, the television champion for 112 days. So anything else to add, you guys, before we steamroll on to Halloween? Sorry, Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc? I just appreciated the fact that on the WWE Network, when they start the show, they're playing Mark Marrow's 1998 heel theme song. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did not notice that. That was like the opening music on, on the network anyway, which I'm guessing was not the case on the original broadcast. Oh, see, I thought that was original broadcast music. So. <laughs> nope. It's actually not a bad theme. Um, the only thing I do want to add, first of all, not to correct you, but I'm going to correct you. It's uh, Flair is the United States champion. You said television. Did I? Okay. Uh, also, I have never in my life of all the years I've watched wrestling. That's because I wrote. That's because I wrote television champion. But you're correct. He's the United States champion. Uh, there you go. I got it right above. There you go. Either way. So uh, in all my years of watching wrestling, I've never seen a sponsor that was so literally all over the ring. Good God! Yeah. I have. I have. I have mention of that uh, in a moment. We'll get to okay. that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Hey. Uh, so. It is Sunday, October 27th, 1996, and we are live on pay-per-view from the MGM Grand Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Before tonight, there was only one other televised wrestling event from the MGM Grand Arena, a Herb Abrams UWF event called Blackjack Brawl on September 23rd, 1994. Uh, I'm going to guess this was a very early card for the UWF, as every match on the show, save for the UWF world title, was to determine a champion for a vacant belt. Uh, I doubt that you'd be able to find this card anywhere online to watch. Just know that there were 12 matches on the show, and it doesn't have enough ratings on Cage Match to actually get an official score. However, all three ratings that it has been given have been ones. Also, the estimated attendance for this show? 600 people. (laughs) 
Uh, Wikipedia tells me that this was Herb's, uh, Herb's UWF's last gasp at attempting to secure a national TV deal. Needless to say, this did not happen. And it was the UWF's last show ever for 600 people at the MGM Grand Arena. Meanwhile, there's about 10,000 people there for Halloween, Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Um, after tonight, however, we will be here for every single Halloween Havoc from now until the end of time, uh, plus four episodes of Nitro and an episode of Thunder. So let's head over to Las Vegas, Nevada, the only place in Nevada where prostitution isn't legal for some reason, probably ah. because it takes money away from the mobs that run the casinos. We open with a video package of Hogan and the NWO desecrating WCW. Tony and some feedback welcome us to Las Vegas and Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc. Your commentary team is, of course, Tony, Dusty, and Bobby, as usual, and they're all wearing matching polo shirts. Plus, the announce desk has been outfitted with not one, but two Slim Jim logos, along with the Halloween Havoc logo. Bobby is certain that Macho Man is going to beat the shit out of Hogan tonight, and we go to the ring. Uh, your opening contest tonight is for the WCW Cruiserweight Championship as Dean Malenko tries to regain the title from Rey Mysterio Jr. Before that, however, let's quickly cover the dark matches this evening. We start with what I'm sure was a barn burner between Jim Powers and Pat Tanaka. Oh, uh, yeah. And then the, the team of Juventud Guerrera and Psychosis defeated the team of Damian and Halloween. That match may not have been so bad. Well, how does the guy named Halloween lose on Halloween? <laughs> what the in hell a dark match also jim powers versus pat tanaka you got one half of the young stallions versus one half of the orient express that's uh, that's something <laughs> for some reason i thought you were gonna say one half of the old stallions was yes, pat tanaka well, and his pat tanaka and his pre-goldberg goldberg theme song <laughs> <sighs> wait pat tanaka is not the same mr tanaka from the mr tanaka and mr fuji tag team is it no, different guy. I think that was Professor Toru Tanaka, oh, if I'm not okay. mistaken. I was going to say, that would go back to the fucking 70s. <laughs> yeah, that, that guy would be like 50-something years old at this point, at least. And there's no chance just, a 50-year-old would be wrestling in WCW at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Touche. Touche. Just like the, just like the uh, what is his name, Shun? Is it Shun Yamaguchi, who's one of the, who's the, the Japanese announcer for WWE pay-per-views currently, along with Funaki, is not the Yamaguchi-san from Kayentai? Right. It's his brother. <laughs> and he right. will choppy choppy your pee pee <laughs> and as Sal mentioned earlier Jesus fuck to the side of the entrance is a giant container of Slim Jims yes and the turn posts have all been Slim Jimified how much Love fucking it. money did Slim Jim spend on Halloween Havoc well actually can I just say at least it's a sponsor that still kind of holds up because all these years later Slim Jim is still going strong. It's still a thing. It's yeah. it's not like it would be like, you know, Stacker 2 presents <laughs> presents Slamboree, you know. It actually nope, but it, on, it stands on, test on, time. On Nitro we'll have the 101020 road report or whichever or the 800 collect road report. Oh yes, with, whichever with Tony the Tiger. One it is. I was going to say imagine whichever if one uh, 101020 was all over the ring though. <laughs> <laughs> There's also giant Slim Jim logos in every corner of the ring. I like it. <sighs> Today is on commentary here since it is a cruiserweight match. I still don't understand why he wasn't just at the desk at the beginning of the show. So I'm like, fuck you, Mikey. You get the, you got to come in later. He was uh, he was so over at one of the uh, the houses of prostitution. So he's like, I'll just call in. I'll call in. <laughs> yeah. So. For the last few weeks, Malenko has been bringing one of Ray's masks to the ring, a mask he stole from Mysterio on an episode of Saturday Night. 
Uh, Mysterio manages to gain control of this mask following a molly go round from the ring to the floor on Malenko, and in the middle of the match, he takes the time to switch masks mm-hmm. from the one that he wore to the ring to the one that he just stole back from Malenko. Yeah, the one. Why? Uh, yeah, why? And not only why, but the one that he stole back was ugly. It, it was like <laughs> full of like. You know, like the weird pattern green. on the back, and it just... No, it didn't even match his outfit. It bothered <laughs> me for the rest of the match. Girl. Doesn't even match your shit. <laughs> Wasn't it the... It was, I think it was supposed to be Mexican flag colors, right? Maybe. I think it was like... Maybe that's maybe that's why he was he was so proud of it. Yeah, it was white, green, and red, which I think is... I'm assuming that's what he was going for, but I could be mistaken. But on that note, did you hear what Mike Tanay said on commentary? Because I had to write this down. I wrote down the exact <laughs> quote. Mike Tanay oh says, quote... Without the mask, let's face it, he's done. So, (laughs) yeah. Uh, He clearly, fast forward to March of 99, where we are in the Raw Attitude podcast right now. And uh, yeah, yeah, Tanae, you were right. Yeah, clearly Kevin Nash was paying attention. Oh, big time. So the the mask being carried to the ring by Malenko, I know, Adam, you will remember this. It instantly made me think of TJP and Kalisto. (laughs) (laughs) 20 years later, we're still doing that storyline. Or even Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio from, like, what, three months ago? (laughs) That's true, too. Hmm. Uh, Tony then confirms that the U.S. title is not on the line tonight, as he says this is one of three title matches tonight, the other two being, of course, the tag and world title matches uh, I mentioned previous. Uh, Malenko locks Mysterio in a sleeper with a body scissors. Mysterio quite obviously taps out, but Mark Curtis doesn't call it. Uh, The arm drops twice, but not a third, and Shivani says, if Mysterio breaks out of this, he'll be one of the top-tier athletes in our sport. Meanwhile, Mysterio has already broken out of it, so I guess he's a top-tier athlete. Uh, I don't have to laugh as Malenko has Mysterio in almost a chicken wing type maneuver on the mat, and Mysterio screams, ah, my back! (laughs) Uh, they they then both fall off the top rope to the floor and we get some miscommunication on the outside that ends with Malenko basically kicking Mysterio straight in the dick. Uh, Tony then points out that the Slim Jim coverings on the ring posts are actually kind of padded, which negates the effect of throwing your opponent into them. So thanks, Slim Jim. You've made this less interesting somehow. Uh, also of note, we are back to the metal corner stairs tonight as opposed to the ringside steps from last week's Nitro. Uh, I, it is then that I noticed the sunglasses dude in the front row, who, Henry, you mentioned on Twitter, who was wearing a Papa Shango sweatshirt. Hell yeah. I mean, I, I guess that's appropriate for Halloween Havoc, <laughs> but you'd think they would have taken that away. Take that shirt off right now. Just make him walk around, wear it like, with his nipples hanging out, I guess, I suppose. <laughs> turn, turn, turn that inside out. Yeah. Well, if he turns it inside out, then it's like a cane shirt, so... Oh, Kane wasn't around at this point. Sorry, never mind. Let's never mind. be honest, yeah. That one wrestling fan in Nevada who owned a Papa Shango shirt was like... <laughs> to be fair, Papa Shango wasn't around at this point either. But he was like, finally, I get to wear it to an event that makes sense. Yes. <laughs> yes, there and you I, go. I got I got front row tickets to Halloween Havoc. Time to break out my Papa Shango shirt. Yeah. My supernatural gimmicks. I turn it inside out. Now it's Damien Demento, bitches! <laughs> <laughs> I win either way. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Mal- I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> Malenko then counters a top rope Hurricane Rana and hits a top rope gut wrench suplex to become your new WCW Cruiserweight Champion. I got to tell you guys, that was the best match of the night so far. Absolutely. I'd, I'd say it actually is the best match of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get. Like we we'll, went we'll, all downhill from here. Yeah, we'll get to that at the end. Uh, yeah, what'd you guys think, Henry? Would you like? Yeah, to go I first? mean. 
Sure, absolutely. Yeah, like I said, like I just said there, uh, best match of the night for me. A couple notes I made is both guys, WCW not known for their theme songs. Both guys have awesome theme songs, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree. Uh, you like you like you like Loch Ness's theme song? I do like Loch Ness's theme. It doesn't fit Rey Mysterio at all, but at all. but it is good. And uh, and Dean Malenko's is like that really sort of like dun 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 dun. Real that's really good stuff because he's the Iceman and it gets a very a very fitting theme for him. Um, I actually also don't had to hang note, up on Carl Malone. <laughs> yeah, so crank yankers, All right. Um, <laughs> I also had to note that like this is still I think the somewhat early days of the cruiserweight. Uh, the cruiserweight division because when the match gets yep. underway, there's a part where Ray kind of like does a springboard moonsault and Malenko just catches him in midair and you can hear the crowd go, whoa. So that, that was really cool. They're like, they're like, we're not used to seeing this from, uh, yeah. from fucking Lex Luger. Uh, yeah, and, I mean, well, the, the, the title was only introduced earlier this year. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and a little after that, there's a spot where Malenko picks Ray up into suplex position, and then he throws him forward into the ropes with Ray almost landing on his head, which was a <laughs> very cool-looking spot. I don't think it was very safe. Uh, my first dusty mispronunciation of the night when he says, I'm going to interpretate this thing that Brain said. So <laughs> He then repeated interpretate about five times. That was that was nice, wasn't it? That yeah. was good. That was classic yeah, what, brain. Yeah, and, and for the people out there, I'm gonna I'm gonna interpretate this thing my brain and said. He's gonna, inter- yeah. gonna interpretate it. Yeah, and, and the bottom line, what Iron Mike was saying is this guy could be tired. And when you're tired mentally, but I really believe talking to him earlier, me and you both spoke to him before we come on the air here at Slim Jim Halloween have it here in Las Vegas, right here in the Death of World. Fights going on. He seemed confident of knowing what he has to do. He gets up. The, this young man gets up. For the task at hand, I might. He did, yes. And, uh, yeah. And the other note I made, I also put it on Twitter, that referee Mark Curtis is a dead ringer for William H. Macy and Boogie Nights. <laughs> but um, other than that, fantastic match. Again, best match of the night. And I think, including Nitro, the best match of this, this two-day period. So, uh, definitely this match was amazing. And I actually had yeah. put in my notes that nobody in 1996 is having this match. Outside of maybe Eddie, Eddie Guerrero, uh, you know, that can put on this type of, of, of technical and aerial, you know, showmanship. Um, I like how Tony Schiavone tries to explain away Dean Malenko having no personality. Oh, he's the <laughs> Iceman. He's, he, he's, he's always business. And I'm like, mm, that's one way of doing it. Uh, that guy is stone cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I had put down in my notes before I even saw... Uh, who the referee was, I had put down, who is this referee and why does he look like Ned Flanders? Ah, <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> also, Rey Mysterio looks like he's 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but Rey Mysterio always looks like he's 12. True. Uh, Sh- Even today. Shivani, with his typical incorrectly worded hyperbole, says the most anticipated cruiserweight title ever. Not, mm. not match, just title. In the history of our sport. In the history of our sport. <laughs> Um, yeah, I like the finish with that. Uh, it looked to me like a gut wrench power bomb from the second rope. I mean, that was yeah, that was insane. I, I, I thought awesome the was a great way to kick off the show. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Uh, from there, we go backstage where Lee Marshall is in his Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc polo shirt. Uh, his guest is Jeff Jarrett, but Ric Flair shows up too. Uh, they both say a lot without saying really much of anything at all. Just know that Jeff Jarrett thinks he has a chance at beating the Giant tonight. And, and Jarrett basically ends every promo or every sentence in his promo by going, ha ha. Like, <laughs> really? You know what they should have did with Jeff Jarrett when he came over from WWF? 
They should have just made him the new Ric Flair. Like, literally. Nobody mm. would have even noticed. They just replace Flair with Jarrett and maybe have Flair do, like, voiceovers when he cuts a promo. But, hmm. but he, it's, I also actually... I, no, go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry, God. After you. After you. Um, and also, Lee Marshall proving at this point that although mustaches aren't required, they are highly recommended in WCW. <laughs> yeah. Lee Marshall backstage, blah, 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 fucking whatever. Um, yeah, Lee Marshall just annoys me, whatever. But uh, there was a part, I think, now, Flair says he's rooting for Randy Savage in the main event tonight, even though aren't we just pretty closely removed from Flair basically stealing Elizabeth from Savage and bragging about it nonstop? We're like six weeks removed. Like, not even. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, but Flair's like, yeah, we had this bitter blood feud with Savage, which also goes back to the WWF days if you want to go back to, like, WrestleMania 8. But he's like, yeah, I'm rooting for, Ho- I'm rooting for Savage over Hogan just because, I guess, Hogan's evil. It's, du- it's WCW, brother. You got you to gotta root for your own family. Yeah, a lot of people I guess so. uh, in this timeline are going to be like, I fucking hate you. But you know what? You're WCW, so let's go. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's in that right now, it's, it seems, except for Sting, who's in the, the middle mm. ground. He's the hottest free agent in professional wrestling. Yeah. And, oh, he remains a free agent for quite some time, I do believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. Yes, indeed. <clears throat> They're great. Sorry. Um, your next contest is a battle for the ring, as told to us by the on-screen graphic. Diamond Dallas Page taking on Eddie Guerrero. Eddie, of course, defeated Dallas for the Lord of the Ring ring a few months ago. But Dallas beat him up and took it back, and then DDP beat up Chavo, and then he beat up Chavo again, and tonight he tries to beat up Eddie again. So Eddie attacks before the bell, and Brian points out, uh, sorry, Brain, that points out that the referee for this match is the still neck-braced Nick Patrick. Yeah, what is uh, up with that? Why is he wearing a neck-brace? Because uh, Macho Man attacked him on an episode of Saturday Night or something, like a month and a half ago, and it's also because he's evil, which you can tell because he has a goatee. <laughs> Uh, Fair. Yeah, it's it's not it's not it's not good. Nick Patrick in a neck brace in WCW at this point was equivalent to uh, Cowboy Bob Orton with the stupid cast. He had it for <laughs> oh, way too fucking long, and they they murdered the gimmick within the first few weeks, but just kept putting it on TV. And he keeps getting promos, and it's, it's never good. Mm. On Nitro, too, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so at one point, DDP hits a flapjack on Eddie, and this conversation ensues. You got him, Diamond. Take him home. How about that? That was a nosedive. A nosedive. Okay. From way up top. That's a good call, Tom. Thank you. That was a nosedive, Brain. Thank you. Three times within 30 seconds. And oh! an elbow. Was that a nosedive, too? Make, make it four. That was a nosedive. And uh, I'm going to quit counting here. In the midsection now. And Diamond Dallas very confident. He's looked good, too. That he can recapture the elusive Battle Bowl Championship ring. DDP and Nick Patrick get in an argument following a near fall, and this argument ends in a handshake. That was fucking weird. Uh, we get your DDP comedy spot where he goes for basically a Randy Orton punt, but Eddie stands up, and DDP goes ass over tea kettle and lands on his head. Love that. Uh, Guerrero then hits a beautiful diving crossbody from the top rope to the floor. Uh, DDP hits a neutralizer, which Tony calls a flapjack, and gets a two. Uh, DDP hits the diamond cutter. They talk about how poorly Eddie took the move, as though he may have <laughs> blocked it, but it gets the three count anyway. Yeah. Uh, 
We then get a stunning lack of commentary, thanks, I'm sure, to the overdubbing of DDP's non-Nirvana theme song, and we join today in the back, already in progress. They did that when, uh, he, when DDP came out as well. They, they shut off the commentary. Mm-hmm. Oh, did they? I missed yep. it when they came out. But mm-hmm. yeah, what they, what they cut out there is the commentary discussing, and, and them actually replaying. They cut out the replays, too. Uh, Nick Patrick having the ring in his pocket the entire time, and then at the end, removing it and dropping it onto the canvas so he can find it and give it to DDP. I don't know why this is such a big fucking deal, uh, and I also don't know why they would have cut it out of the WWE Network version. It did not seem to be monumental or matter to anything at all. And why did he not cast that Lord of the Ring ring into the fires of Mount Doom? (laughs) (laughs) The world may never know. So what do you guys think of DDP versus Eddie? It was okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had a couple notes as far as uh, the commentary team. Um, Dusty calling uh, Bobby Heenan Bob occasionally was, was actually quite funny. It's tradition. It's, wait a minute, Bob. It's emotion. And, 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 and Bobby, let me tell you something, Bob. Are you there? Yes, I'm Are here. you with me on this thing? I'm here. Okay. Traditionally-wise, the Guerreros are one of the biggest traditions anywhere in the world, much less internationally. Hmm. Um. Also, at one point, DDP, somebody said something in the crowd to DDP, like, DDP, you're nothing. And he instantly turned around, facing the camera, and said, your mother's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> DDP is great. I mean, there's no, there's no nothing else you can say. DDP is fucking great. Other than that, this wasn't even the match I thought it was. Because I was like, oh, DDP versus Eddie. But then I was like, no, they fought another time down the road, and it was much, much better than this. Oh, they fought, they've already fought yeah. like three times. Yeah, I had high hopes for this one going in. I, I agree. It was kind of just eh. Yeah. When, if you watch the finishing sequence, it's really bizarre because basically DDP is just working Eddie over for the last minute or so. He hits a flapjack, he hits powerbomb. Eddie kicks out of both, and then DDP just picks him up and hits him with the diamond cutter where you're kind of thinking there's going to be like a comeback from Eddie. But no, DDP is just like, I'm beating you up, I'm beating you up. Here's a diamond cutter, the end. Yeah. And I- Eddie may have gotten his arms down. I don't know if he got all of it. Hey, oh, no, there's a three count. Okay, DDP's your winner. Yeah, I thought we were going to get like a counter or something or a reverse on the pin. It just, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that was the planned finish, fans. But actually, no, so I actually did a little research on this because I looked up the Wrestling Observer notes for this. So now, because it looked so weird, I was like, what the fuck? So when I looked up the Observer notes for this, Eddie, number one, had a really bad fever going into the match, which was bad enough. But then at one point during the match, he broke one of his ribs. So that was likely the reason. That was, yeah. So that's likely the reason why it was just like... Wait, that's a shoot that he broke his rib? No, that's a shoot. Yeah, that's a shoot. And yet they had him wrestle the next Uh, Never mind. Yep, I know. I I made a note of that as well. We'll get there. Wow. Yep. But yes, that was that was the reason apparently for the quick like go home finish was number one number one the fever and then number two breaking a rib during the match certainly didn't help which may also be why you know a DDP Eddie Guerrero match didn't quite live up to the the hype I gave it in my mind so so just yeah. know that there was a reason for Eddie being you know uh, I guess you could say a little bit more lackluster than usual. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I didn't realize I, I, they talked about the injury. I didn't realize it was an actual injury. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. Well, anyway, backstage, Mike Tanay is with Macho Man Randy Savage so they can give away a monster truck. They are next to a giant fucking Slim Jim. This is getting <laughs> goddamn ridiculous. Uh, he Which asks he breaks. The, you know, well, he snaps into it. Yeah. 
Uh, he asks that the winner of the monster truck run over Hogan's body once he beats him tonight. Uh, the giant Slim Jim actually contains the name of the winner. So, yes, he breaks into it and then draws the winner. They actually make Tanae read legal jargon on air about returning the proper paperwork in order to claim the prize. Right. <laughs> really, really scintillating programming. Uh, the winner is some old lady from Michigan. What the fuck ever. And now... An amazing shot of a computer screen running Windows 95 and CompuServe for the WCW Live Real Audio Simulcast of Halloween Havoc. Yep. Hey, don't uh, I, I noted that, too. Do not make fun of the audio simulcast. An <laughs> audio cast is the reason we're here tonight. It was the birth True. of the, all podcasts, let's be honest. The birth of podcasts. <laughs> One thing I noticed when they showed that screen grab was that they actually had seven windows open on that computer. Yeah, so right. I was trying to I was trying to see like what they said. I was like, is one of them a porn site or something? And, and then <laughs> uh, at the that, What's that? I was gonna say, is that JBL's browser? <laughs> yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> and I also saw that at the bottom of the screen it said that the uh, time on the screen was three fifteen PM, so clearly not live. <laughs> they were not live at this point. Well, if they're in, if they're in Vegas, it's no. still only been five p.m. on the East Coast. So, anyway, nope. somewhere backstage, Chris Jericho is sitting with a nerd and chatting with fans. Uh, real quick, a oh, uh, note on this uh, little sir. interview. Uh, tell me, Mike Tanay didn't look like an extra from The Sopranos when they showed him <laughs> on camera. I was like, I think I've seen him in the in season three. Um, Mike Tanay, Mike Tanay is a greasy looking dude in 1996 for sure. Also, does the winner of the contest just get a monster truck delivered to their front door? Like beep beep. More beep. More, more more on that in a moment. Um, a little bit later on. Uh, then Tanay is with the new cruiserweight champion Dean Malenko. Dean says he'll accept all challengers and he'll beat all comers. Uh, Tanay then calls him the new cruiserweight championship. Uh, he then sends us to an NWO interview with the Giant. They're just happening in the crowd for some reason. DiBiase is your interviewer. Get used to that. It's not terrible or annoying at all. Uh, he calls Jared an idiot for not joining the NWO when he had the chance. Uh, the Giant has the United States Championship. This is unexplained, but probably has something to do with that gift we weren't supposed to hear the Giant opening a month or so ago when Randy Savage screamed, Son of a bitch! Six times in a row in a hotel. Uh, so actually, giant- I, I do want to get your thoughts on this because this is like a recurring theme throughout the night where the NWO guys get interviewed by DiBiase in the crowd and yep. then they walk through the crowd <laughs> to the, the ring. You, so you, the, you guys are not fans of this? At the NWO entrance. It's not that I wasn't a fan of it. It was interesting in that it was something different. It was just it just seemed bizarre that they would be in the crowd. Like I like the idea hey, here, that they are, quote unquote, outsiders, so they're not coming through the regular entrance way. Dup, dup, dup. Outsiders. Sorry. But I don't like that DiBiase's like, well, back to, we'll throw it back to you, Ted. Like, <laughs> you just seem like a, a, a backstage correspondent just happened to be stuck in the crowd. Right. Maybe if they, maybe if they had been actually seeming like they were actually cutting in, like interrupting Tanae, but. Henry, your thoughts? I thought it was okay. It would be better if any of these promos were good, and I don't think any of them are. But also, very true. This is also a lot more Ted DiBiase in the NWO than I remember us getting. Because I I remember, (laughs) yeah, I I didn't remember him being such a big part of it at this point. No, I thought the same thing. And I was like, wow, I thought he was literally just there for a minute, but he actually was there for a few months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember. I thought the initial thing when he came in was that they were teasing. That those like promotional consideration paid for by the NWO is paid yes. for by the million dollar man, right? Which yes. Ted, Dib- Ted DiBiase is the bankroll of the NWO. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That that's, the, that's, yeah, that was the the gimmick. 
Yeah, I like that. That's genius. But I just didn't remember him having uh, such a big role. But yeah, he's all over this fucking show. Speaking of his role, I don't know if he feels comfortable in it because he's not cutting the typical Ted DiBiase promo. He seems almost like uh, just, I don't know if he's just lacking in the promo department these days, but he seems even a step lower than he was when he was with the Million Dollar Corporation. Yeah, we didn't get a single evil DiBiase laugh. (laughs) Bums me out. All right, giant. A giant has grown a beard since uh, since joining the NWO, and very much looks older and much more like the Big Show we know and well, let's say tolerate today <laughs> than he has as yet on this show. Uh, they enter from their interview position in the crowd, flanked by security. Tony explains that this will be the case for all the NWO competitors tonight. Uh, they remind us that the Giant is not the United States champion and that this is not a United States championship match. Uh, Dusty then says that Eddie was injured and it took them a long time to get, get him out of the ring. Uh, Tony then screams at Patrick for holding the belt up like it's a title match, even though it's not. But if you remember last week's Nitro, he did the same thing with the tag team titles when that wasn't a title match either. So Nick Patrick is an idiot. Uh, Rick Flair then enters separately from the guy that he's cornering. That's really good support there. Hmm. Uh, Jeff tries to use his quickness to his advantage and then does something that even Tony points out as a dumb idea. He puts the giant in a side headlock. Yeah. Uh, he goes on the offensive again for a bit and then again does a dumb thing and tries to hip toss the giant. Huh. He leaps on the giant's back for a sleeper. Giant backs him into the turnbuckles and Jarrett completely no sells it, just jumping right back onto him. Uh, the second time, for whatever reason, Jarrett actually sells the turnbuckle spot. Uh, at one point, Flair slides in the ring with a chair and then immediately slides out of the ring with the chair and then grabs a mic and starts screaming at Jarrett, at Jarrett to kick his NWO ass. Yeah, what the fuck was the point of that? <laughs> Uh, Jarrett hits two beautiful drop kicks to the chin of the giant and then, for some reason, tries to body slam him. This ends about as well as you'd expect, but Giant only gets a two count. Uh, so the story in this match is apparently Jarrett goes on offense and then does a really stupid thing. Uh, Jarrett gets the Giant down, finally goes for a figure four, but gets pushed right out of the ring. Giant follows and leaps into the turnpost, so Jarrett puts him in the figure four on the outside. Uh, Giant goozles Jarrett for the chokeslam outside, so Flair low blows Giant right in front of Patrick for the disqualification victory for the Giant. Good one, Flair. (sighs) The horsemen fill the ring and Giant leaves through the entrance, despite them telling us earlier that the NWO would enter and exit through the crowd, and that's that's it, really. Shouldn't Jarrett be pissed at Flair because Flair made him lose? No. Jarrett... Uh, should be thankful because Flair's the only reason that Jared kept his promise that he wouldn't be choke slammed. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Well, my first note here is these two are still kind of wrestling in WWE today, if you think about oh, it. Fucking Christ. <laughs> and and also, so Jared comes over. He's presumably a, a baby face, right? Because they're putting him with Flair, but he's still wearing the stupid like jail bar singlet. Yeah, putting both of his fingers in the air and also doing the strut, which are all staples of his heel character. WWF, exactly. I, I had that note still, as well. Still yeah. waiting for him to shout, ain't I great? <laughs> I know, which will clearly get him over as a baby face, obviously. <laughs> uh, another note I had, the giant should not be doing a jumping headbutt to the groin. <laughs> he's like, he's seven feet tall and he's doing like, I don't know, a cruiserweight type move. Uh, no need for that. When you mentioned a uh, uh, Flair getting the mic and say, get up and kick his NWO ass. Giant has Flair, or has Jarrett in a backbreaker, and then when Flair gets on the mic, he just lets the backbreaker go. go. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the hell? 
And another thing I noticed is that the giant, uh, I think he does this for a little while in WCW, like when he takes multiple moves and he remains on his feet, he goes into yep. like the Mortal Kombat standing around <laughs> dazed cell, you know, like at the end where you're where the guy yells like, finish him. He just kind of like stands around like that. It's awful. And, yeah, but- and then my final note was after the match when the horsemen run into the ring to back up Jarrett. I'm pretty sure you can hear the crowd booing, and I think it's not that they're booing the Giants' win. I think they're booing the notion of Jarrett being a horseman. <laughs> but yeah, I'm horsemen, pretty sure. You talk, you talk about faces and heels. The horsemen are very interesting in that they are they are faces or heels depending on what crowd they're in front of. It really is not a, a, a regular week-to-week thing. It's just whatever they feel like doing that particular week. So this the, at Halloween Havoc, at Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc, they were faces, I guess, because they were going against the Giant in the NWO. So now I understand yeah. that we're only a year into the Giant's professional wrestling career, as it were. Basically. But uh, he, yeah, he, man, he looked green in this match. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just looked green uh, giant. Yeah, the big green giant, man. He looked, uh, he looked like a rookie. Oh, oh, oh! I put it that way. Uh, I'll give Jared an A for effort on the body slam attempt. I mean, he went down like a sack of bricks, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but, hey, like I said, Jared never got choke slammed, so that means it's a moral win. Uh, yeah. Sure. Not, not a great match, by the way, in my opinion. I, I, yeah, not, not great. No. Uh, we go back to DiBiase in the crowd. DiBiase says a win is a win, so thanks, Rick. <laughs> Up next, Six versus Jericho. DiBiase says they take nothing away from Jericho. He's a fine athlete, but Six is just better. He then gives Six a chance to speak, and Six says that Jericho is a fine young athlete. Is there an echo in here? (laughs) Okay. Uh, Six, for whatever reason, doesn't come down through the crowd to the ringside. He goes down and then around and comes down the actual (laughs) entrance aisle. Can I make a quick note about the Six promo here? Sure. So at one point, uh, this the wording stuck out to me because he says that Jericho will be quote crucified for the sins of WCW, and I thought that was like a strange wording. So I looked it up, and fun fact: this is actually true. Halloween Havoc took place literally the day after the ECW crucifixion of the Sandman. No, stop the, it! The, oh. the day after. So I was like, Holy was that fresh shit. in Six's mind? I was like, that must have been so. fresh in his mind. And if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google that shit, because I think that's the story of Kurt Angle was in attendance, and then when they crucified Sandman, he was like, you cannot show me on TV or I'm going to fucking sue your ass because I don't want to be associated with a crucifixion. But yes, yeah. this was literally the day after that famous angle. So I think Six was... was uh, Maybe had that whole thing uh, in mind when he said that. Most likely. Uh, I'll Uh take it one step further. So that that crucifixion angle supposedly uh, was not known to anybody in ECW, including Paul Heyman. Oh, Oh, yeah. Raven did it. Raven and his his nest did it on their own, and Paul was completely unaware. And what they did was they beat up Sandman. They kind of hid him from the camera near the ring. And they put him on a cross, and then they wrapped barbed wire around his head as a, as a throw to a crown of thorns, but instead it was a crown of barbed wire. Uh, and then they like kind of hoisted him up, and then Raven did his pose in front of him. So yeah, that offended every Christian in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, I remember actually. There, the, the famous story is that uh, I think someone like the. Uh the Christian ECW guys asked Raven, they're like, well, well, you're Jewish. Why don't you put him on a, a Star of David instead of a crucifix? And Raven, allegedly the line he put on, allegedly the line he responded with was, well, put him on a Star of David, he would have rolled away. It wasn't allegedly. So. I saw the video. He actually did say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, also, good stuff. Also, yeah, in the so. crowd with uh, 
Vincent. Sorry, Vincent. Right. And uh, I was disappointed that they didn't ask some kid to dribble a basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I have to say, they really slacked on the fake tombstones for Halloween. One of them said Elvis Lives. That's all I could catch. It's kind of disappointing. Yeah. That's, that's like, hmm. yeah. Which also, if Elvis lives, why does he need a tombstone? <laughs> <laughs> also, the tombstone that said Crockett, so a little, a little shout out to JCP there, I'm guessing. Yeah. 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 Uh, enter Chris Jericho. His hair is veritably golden here. Yes, it is. Um, during the beginning of the match, we get a shot of the Dungeon of Doom watching from the crowd. Oh my god, thanks that's for... gotta be the Dungeon of Doom! Thanks, thanks for coming, boys. You're, you're out of the spotlight now. What a shitty dungeon that is. My god. <laughs> what was it? Conan, Bubba, and uh, Sullivan? Yep. yep. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Tony straight up mentions that Chris Jericho's father is former NHL player Ted Irvine, but makes no mention of why Jericho's last name isn't also Irvine. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> now, well, it's a gimmick, fans. <laughs> now, please enjoy this dustyism. I'm going to tell you what. Now, the punk got has got a lot of ability. He's really shining right now. Why really you, shining. Why would you call Chris Jericho a punk? I did not call him a punk. We were talking about six. Everyone across America, across the world, realized that. Okay, I'll call him six. So, so brain don't get uh, flabbergasted with what I'm saying. Six hits the kick combination in the corner, and then for some reason, mimes smoking a cigarette and stomping it out on the canvas. By the way, uh, is, is flabber busted what happens when like the button flies off Dusty's jeans? Yeah, <laughs> it very well that might be. be. I think so. Jeans, shirt, jacket, whatever. Yeah. Oh, I've, I've never busted another shirt there, Daddy. <laughs> oh. We then get another shot of the dungeon for no reason whatsoever. Uh, commentary then actively begins pointing out how slowly it is taking Nick Patrick to make counts for Jericho, and he then immediately makes a three count for six after a spin kick. Mm. Tony repeatedly calls this making a three count out of a two count. Uh, Jericho gets in Patrick's face. Patrick runs and helps six to the back as we go to replays. This match was not bad. It was okay. Yeah, I expected big things from this one, too. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of like that. I also was thinking of, like, remember when Jericho came over to WWE in 1999, and the the whole story is, like, they they put him with six initially because they wanted to see if he could wrestle the WWF style and have a good match. And, like, six, or, or X-Pac was, like, the, the sort of, like, measuring stick for when new guys come in. Yeah. Which uh, which always kind of pissed me off because it was like yeah gee Triple H's best buddy is is the measuring stick right <laughs> how fitting but uh, yeah I thought this match was kind of like okayish again not great right. uh, not terrible by any stretch of the imagination yeah. but again yeah. it was like it's like when you see DDP versus Eddie and you're like oh fuck yeah but yeah and then Eddie um, breaks a rib right exactly and and seeing plucky babyface you gotta be ribbon son yeah. of a bitch but uh, sorry. <laughs> That that's little, exact audio from that match right there. Win a little, win a, win a little macho there. Sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah. Plucky, plucky babyface Chris Jericho is a weird thing to say to see. <laughs> but um, I also noticed that and say yes. Uh, I noticed when he comes down and he like kind of like poses with the crowd that he did in fact say, "Come on, baby." Right. Yeah. No, so yeah. that's still. <laughs> and and oh, actually, man. when he put six in the armbar, he yelled at Nick Patrick to ask him. So yes. So. <laughs> Still, all these years later, he's still still using those mannerisms. Uh, Six, I thought, was wearing his old Lightning Kid tights. Oh, he, yeah, was he, not, I, he I mentioned that. Was. I mentioned that on his debut a couple of weeks ago that he had just taken the the numbers off. Yeah, and was wearing the one two three. Well, did kid anybody gear. get new gear? Because Six is clearly wearing his one two three kid gear. 
Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he can come back the next week. What was he, the Cannonball Kid at one time, too? Baby so, <laughs> Kid, Kamikaze Kid. There you go. So if you see any tights with cannonballs on them in the coming weeks, you know, he's recycling those two. There you go. Um, there's also a point in the match when Dusty Rhodes uses the phrase slobber knocker, and he, yeah. he takes credit for it, which makes me think either Jim Ross hadn't started using it yet, or Dusty was kind of uh, maybe ribbing him a little bit. So, yeah. And Jericho, there you go. Second win there, knocked the slobber right out of him that time. In the rough, pick up. There we go. I've said it earlier in the back about the slobber. That's like my line deal, you know. Sorry. I got that from somewhere. That was a slobber And then after the match, after that uh, controversial count, Six puts his arm around Nick Patrick and they walk back together. So really, really fanning those NWO flames there a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the match wasn't uh, anything special. I mean, I, I can't expect him more. We're talking Lionheart Chris Jericho here. I thought this was going to be like really fast pace and rival that cruiserweight match from earlier. Uh, it didn't. Um, also, I've always, my entire time I've ever watched WCW, cannot stand the way Nick Patrick has his cadence when he does a three count. He does like yes. the shaky arm thing before he hits the mat again, and I, it just an- always has annoyed the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, the other thing that Six did to start this match, and 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 Sean Waltman has done this throughout his entire career, gets a guy in a side headlock, and then he just yeah cranks it a couple times. That's yeah. Also, the dumbest thing I've ever seen in wrestling. <laughs> yeah, because it doesn't look like he's actually putting any pressure. He's just kind of like bah, bah, bah. <laughs> uh, But that's it. I mean, yeah, they're just furthering the Nick Patrick's a piece of shit turncoat story yep yep indeed and that's a that is quite the recurring theme on this night <sighs> yep anywho yeah. backstage today is with lex luger he faces anderson tonight his hair looks especially feathered my uh, god please, i said he got it, a fight with his hair dryer <laughs> please enjoy this ridiculousness you know really didn't need to come down to this but arn you wanted to start pointing fingers you wanted to lay the blame for war games, so be it. I said I'd accept the blame, but that wasn't good enough for you. So you had to throw down the gauntlet. You planted the seeds, Arn, and now the crop has harvested, and it's not a garden of flowers. It's cactus. It's thickets of things that you'll never want to see from Lex Luger, because, Arn Anderson, you've questioned my intestinal fortitude. You've questioned my courage. You've tested everything and questioned everything that I stand for. And now, Arn, you're going to see a total package that you've never seen before. You've seen a man that is going to come unglued. It's time for the total package. Somebody in WCW to make a stand around here. I'm sick and tired of everybody running each other down, jumping each other's backs. Well, now, Arn Anderson, you're going to see a side of me. Oh, my gosh, Arn Anderson. You know what? I'm going to the ring right now with one intent. I'm going to say it one more time. It didn't have to come this, but Arn, I'm not only going to beat you, I'm not only going to rack you, but I'm going to take you out and I'm going to hurt you. So, Lex Luger is a cactus? <laughs> Sounds about right to me. Yeah. That hey, is... they're, they're in the desert right now. So <laughs> I think so. Uh, that is your next match. Arn Anderson enters in a denim vest for reasons unknown. Yeah. Uh, I have seen that goddamn giant Slim Jim's box so many fucking times this evening that if someone doesn't bust out of it by the end of the night, I am going to be extremely disappointed. 
Yeah, uh, Terry Funk with a chainsaw does. I exactly. <laughs> well, that's Chainsaw Charlie, pal. Uh, during Lex's entrance, they find a woman in the crowd who appears to have a homemade, perhaps a towel or, or a pillowcase. I don't know if either of you caught this poor woman uh, with an image printed on it. Now, I presume that this image is supposed to be of Lex Luger, but there's a couple of issues. Uh, the first issue being that this image really does not look like Lex Luger whatsoever. It looks more like if Ray Combs from The Family Feud was super jacked. Um, <laughs> nice. And, and even with that, I'm not 100% on the super jacked thing because this print is so faded that you can't really tell any definition in the image beyond the face and hair. I don't know what part of this is arms and what part of this is chest. Now, <clears throat> remember that I said there were a couple of issues. Um, yeah, the, the second issue, she, she fucking misspelled Luger. Uh, Oh. I swear to God, this item, and I'm going to go ahead and assume it's a pillowcase, and I'm also going to go ahead and assume that she sleeps on it every night and pretends it's Lex, is spelled L-U-G-A-R. <laughs> I swear Lugar. to God. Lugar. I went back. I went back and paused it and looked at it again. Lex Lugar. <sighs> Tony reminds us that Lex suffered a lower back and rib injury at the hands of Arn Anderson and a steel chair, and I remind you that it was a plastic chair, not a steel one. Um, I feel the need to remind everyone again of the story where Steve Austin gets fired from WCW for being a guy in black boots and black tights and how Eric Bischoff just couldn't do anything with that because both of the gentlemen in this match are wearing black boots and black tights. Hmm. <sighs> from the crowd, we can hear Kevin Sullivan hollering, Rack him, Loga! Over and over and over and over and over again. Love that Boston accent. Mm-hmm. Uh. <laughs> Makes for an interesting war, don't it? And the war which could break out here, here tonight. I smell napalm. I hear Kevin Sullivan's voice too very distinctly at ringside say rack him. There you go. Boy, it's pretty obvious. No love lost. With the Dungeon of Doom in the hospital, we already documented that fact. I don't know why Lex thought it was a good idea to grow his hair out after leaving the WWF in the 90, in '95. It looks absolutely fucking ridiculous. Yeah, very poofy, or, or like um, it looks like somebody took his hair tonight and like did that thing with like you rub a balloon and then you like yes. <laughs> yes, it yeah. He kind of had that hair going. It's that dry desert heat. There's a lot of static electricity in there. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's uh, just murder on your hair. Yeah. Hey, Henry. Uh, do you know do you do you know Lex's favorite band? I do not. What is Lex Luger's favorite band? Uh, Lex Luger's favorite band is Guar. Uh, <laughs> Dusty, oh yes. <laughs> Dusty then explains to us the origins of Bula Bula. Oh uh, yeah. We need two guys here, and we're seeing it. I told you off. I know when I said Bula Bula. I don't know where Bula Bula is. You never seen that. You never. Bula Bula ain't no place. Good. It's like it's like something that just happened. Your hair, man. Buddy Holly told his girlfriend that one time. She said, "I'm going to school. You ain't going with me." And he said, "Well, Bula Bula. That's where I got that from." All right, Arn Anderson trying to. Oh, man, just soaked. Oh, yeah, he's, he's just soaked sometimes, actually. Mark Curtis takes a bump, and we end up outside. And Anderson takes a horrible-looking slingshot into the turnpost. Uh, Luger then repeatedly hits the floor with the chair instead of Arn Anderson's back. Uh, back into the ring, Luger calls for the torture rack, and that is your victory. Luger refuses to release the rack, and nothing happens, so tension for no reason. Uh, Flair and Jarrett come out to check on Anderson. Hang on. Is Jeff Jarrett the legendary fifth horseman? 
Let's hope not. Uh, Tony and Brain then talk shit about the EMTs for not using a backboard to load Anderson onto the stretcher. <laughs> Your thoughts on Lex Luger versus Arn Anderson? God. That's a, that's a very appropriate reaction. Lex Luger is the only person nope. I know that can Lu- sell a clothesline that he is delivering <laughs> to someone yeah. Lugar. louder wow. than, he, than the guy who's getting hit by it. Also, the baby face in this match beat Arn half to death. Right. <laughs> and crippled him. Yeah, uh, that's the other thing. Okay, we're going to load him up on the gurney because of a torture rack? Please. Please stop. <laughs> but but he wouldn't he wouldn't let it go. And he and he hit him with a chair like so so many times. Yeah. yeah. And he's the baby face, obviously. Yep. Yeah. Well, you see, you see that yeah, that you see, Arn Anderson deserved this because all that beating he laid on Lex many, many weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. He snapped him like a Slim Jim, actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sal, I think you agree with me on this. This is this your favorite version of the Horseman theme? Yes, yes, and that uh, I actually put that in my notes for the next match. Oh, okay. uh, but yes, this is my favorite version of the Horseman theme. I think it's I. It's a great song, wrestling or not. I've totally rocked that. Absolutely. Uh, one thing I noted, uh, they like they talk about Sting during this match, and regarding him refusing to side with the NWO or WCW, Dusty refers to him as an independent contractor, which I'm sure <laughs> Vince McMahon appreciated right there. No question. Um, should I note the irony that Arn Anderson, a man who has had his battles with alcohol, is wearing trunks with the letters AA on them? <laughs> or... No, maybe not. I don't know. It's just it's just how he remembers to stay sober. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Some somehow from one side of the ring to the other, it only takes twelve steps. Huh, anyway. <laughs> uh, <laughs> take that, Arn. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, I like Arn. Um, so Arn at one point puts the abdominal stretch on Luger, and it's literally like in one of the corners of the ring. Like Luger could just simply like stick a foot out onto the bottom rope, and he'd have to break it. But uh, that thought doesn't cross Luger's <laughs> but, mind. He just stays in the move. But Arn, but Arn grabs the ropes for leverage, but obviously gets no leverage because his arm is bent at like a ninety degree angle. <laughs> yeah, because he's so fucking close. Yeah, uh, and you mentioned the catapult again. Catapult face first into the ring post, which is in like six inches of Slim Jim padding. Yep. So <laughs> it does. It should do absolutely nothing, but Arn sells it anyway. Yeah, because um, Tony was kind enough to tell us at the beginning of the night that these are padded, so it's not going to do as much damage. Yeah, no one's going to get hurt tonight, fans. And then after the match, once again, Jarrett comes out, and once again, he gets booed. So <laughs> I'm... Pre- I'm 100%, like at this point, I'm now 100% sure the fans are booing Jarrett because earlier it was like, oh, maybe they're booing the Giant. But when he comes out with Flair at the end and they're still booing, I was like, okay, these fans do not want Jarrett. I think that's pretty clear. Yeah, and and this is a classic case of go away heat because um, this isn't like, oh, boo Jarrett because he's such a bad guy. No, this is like, oh. In like his fourth fourth week with the company. (laughs) Yeah. well, it goes back to what Eric Bischoff said on that 83 Weeks podcast, that Jeff Jarrett never drew a dime, and it's kind of hard to argue with him. Yeah. Ain't I great? <laughs> one of those guys in one of those uh, DVDs, I think it it's, it's, might be the the, um, the original Monday Night War DVD from 2004. I forget. I think it may, might be Eddie Graham. They interview him, and he's like, broke a thousand guitars, never drew a dime. Like, <laughs> So I feel like that's a cornet quote. I might be wrong on that. 
Yeah, it might be many people's say, quote. A lot quote of people probably have that opinion about Jeff Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'll give a little credit to Jared because he did start a company that obviously was never going to take down WWE or even compete with them. But I mean, they're still going today, so you know. No, no. Credit. Glo- Global Force went out of business, right. I think. Oh, really? Well, I thought Impact was still going. <laughs> that, that, oh, oh, Global Force. Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, I thought they were the same company, but no, yeah, that was that was the separate one. Yeah, they were for about a month. Yeah, I was and a half. Say they merged for a month. Global Force got uh, TNA to change all their titles over to Global Force, and then Global oh, Force yeah. went out of business. There you go. So, yes. The best, well, the, the best titles in the business, the Global Force Wrestling with the Impact Wrestling stickers on top of them. <laughs> yes. Anyway. I, wonder, uh, I really wonder if anybody still watches Impact. Like, this this show, I'm sure, has diehard fans of wrestling. Does, somebody, is anybody watching Impact? Don't somebody I? has to. Yeah. yeah. What even fucking channel is it on now? Pursuit TV. Nobody fucking knows. Nobody I think it's on Pursuit. It's on BET. No, it's not on BET. <laughs> oh. It's on the preview channel. <laughs> oh, man. Nice. We, we go to the locker room with Lee Marshall. Uh, he tells us to call the hotline to hear about Sting. Uh, and then he talks to Colonel Parker, Sister Sherry, and Harlem Heat. Where the fuck That's is the Mean Gene? the only note I have, because nothing happened here. Where, oh, I've, I've got a note for where, you. Where is Mean Gene? I have no idea. This, mean he, Gene oh. is gone for... I have a note on that, actually. From the Wrestling Observer, I have a note on why Mean Gene is not there, actually. To make me sad. In storyline, in story story Nick Parker got him suspended or some shit for, for threatening, for, for libel or some bullshit because he was saying he was aligned with the NWO. I was going to save it for the end, but do you want the real reason? Sure. Sure. Uh, mean Gene has been off TV lately because WCW is negotiating with him, and Dave Meltzer reports they've offered him $180,000 a year to work five shows a month, four Nitros, and one pay-per-view, but Mean Gene has not yet jumped on it. So that is the reason why uh, you're getting Lee Marshall instead of Mean Gene Okerlund at this point. Wow. Yeah. Or, and- Shiv- or Shivani having to do double duty on Nitro. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but that means. And the note I actually had here. Oh, sorry, Salgo. Well, we know that Mean Gene does eventually sign. So did he get it all the way up to like two hundred and fifty thousand? Yeah, I think the hotline. He used to get a chunk of the hotline too, and that brought in fucking like a lot of money for him. I'm sure, it did. That's why he fucking pimped it so hard. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Three ninety nine a minute, kids. I get two dollars of that. That's that's right. Don't ask your parents' permission. Just call. Uh, but yo, I, the note I had from Lee Marshall being backstage with Harlem Heat, Sister Sherry, and Colonel Parker was that we get two cartoon characters here, Tony the Tiger and Foghorn Leghorn. So that was a real treat. <laughs> <laughs> Colonel Parker cutting his promos. I, lo- I love Colonel Parker, Tennessee Lee, whatever you call him. You know, all the Harlem Heat now. So like dabbing his brow with his fucking handkerchief and shit. Oh, he's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Don't, don't you worry about don't my hands. Don't you worry about my hands. Uh-huh. So <laughs> Anyways. I'm the rooster. And I, I was, he and was I'm doing gonna, that one for a while. And I'm going to prove it. How are you going to prove it? How am I going to prove it? I say, I say, how I'm going to prove it? I say, how I'm going to prove it? Oh, sorry, that was, that was Falkhorn. I can't believe you guys' first exposure to this man was uh, Tennis Lee in the WWF. You want to try I, saying that as two words? Because <laughs> um, I, I was watching in 96, and I remember... Um, Colonel Parker. It, it's always like the most craziest, racist, <laughs> nuts yeah. promos. Yes. Well, I actually, why, I, I knew know, about him. I, I, I knew about why, him as Colonel Parker, yeah. I don't know why you're saying it's racist. He's a white guy who may or may not own a plantation who manages a tag team of black guys. I don't know what the problem is. 
Right. That, well, that was literally the way they introduced him, if you believe the old story. I think someone has actually confirmed this, that when they brought in Harlem Heat, he, they were initially led to the ring in chains by Colonel Parker. So that was a thing that apparently actually happened at a WCW show. Ladies and gentlemen, Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. On that uh, note. Tony tells us that Arn has left the arena by ambulance and that Flair and Jarrett are with him uh, and enter the faces of fear. They are taking on the horsemen Mongo and Benoit, or as the network calls it, faces of fear in tag team action. <laughs> yes. We start with Mongo and Mang in some basic, hey, these two guys are big and tough spots, and then they tag out. Uh, during the match, Tony talks about something called the one save rule, which he says has yeah. since been thrown out, where you were allowed to save your partner only one time during a match, and if you did it, did it a second time and were caught, you'd be disqualified. Henry, you've been in the professional wrestling game for many years. Do you ever recall this being a rule? I do, actually. I, this was actually mentioned when somebody was on commentary and they mentioned this, the, the one save rule where it's supposed to be, you know, if your tag team partner is in trouble, you can run in once, you can boot him or whatever and break up the pin. But if you do it a second time, it's supposed to be a DQ. So I know exactly what Tony was talking about here, but uh, I don't know if it was ever, I don't ever remember it actually being enforced. Yeah, I had never but, heard of this. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is I mean... I don't even know if it, I really don't remember it ever being enforced, yeah. so it could just be wrestling legend. But uh, I do know about the one save rule. Do you yeah. know about that one, Sal? No, thank you for educating me because I was literally wrote in my notes, "bullshit, not a thing." <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, if it was a thing, maybe in the seventies or in the AWA, I've never remembered it being enforced. Ask Jim those, Cornette; he'll know. I was going to say it was one of those uh, one of those Jim Hurd rules, uh, along with the no over the top rope and the no high flying. Oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> uh, the finish comes. Uh, yeah, another Jim Hurd. Go ahead. I was going to say another Jim Hurd rule is you had to have at least uh, two toppings because he came over from Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, true. Pizza Hut executive running WCW. Yeah, the original version of the one save rule is that every additional save would cost you a dollar ninety nine. Actually, if it was Jim Hurd's error, the one save rule was you can only save one slice for your friend. So. <laughs> You can't, you can't save the whole pie. And don't be trying to double up on the buffet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The finish comes when Mongo wallops Haku in the head with the Halliburton. I really want a Halliburton. Uh, for some reason, he sells this despite being Samoan. Uh, right. Benoit, yeah, I well, that too, Tongan. actually. He's Tongan. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, but the hard head thing still applies, That's though. That's true. Because yeah, they've done it on offense before. Uh, I remember complaining about it in a Hacksaw Jim Duggan match before. Uh, Benoit then hits the I'm going to murder my family later in life and pins Haku for three. <laughs> After the match, the dungeon all beat the shit out of Mongo and Benoit, including repeated shots with the briefcase and a pile driver for Mongo. Remember, Flair and Anderson have left in the ambulance. Apparently, Jarrett went with them. Sullivan and Hart scream at woman. I know this made you particularly uncomfortable, Henry. Uh, yeah. Sullivan says he's going to show her why he's still the man, and they continue the beating. What'd you think? Uh, Henry, if you don't Would you mind. like me to... T oh, please, please. So, a couple notes from the match. Uh, Ming almost kicks Mongo's face off to start the match. <laughs> and then Mongo Good. looks legit scared of Ming for the rest of the match. Well, fucking wouldn't you be? It's fucking Ming, also, dude. Ming, oh, yeah. Also, Ming's mullet is something to behold at this point. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. This match brought to you by the pure cocaine-induced intensity that is Chris Benoit and the Barbarian. <laughs> Yeah, um, and also Ming owned Mongo's ass in that sumo fight. 
He fucking he just dominated didn't, him. Um, didn't realize mm-hmm. it was that kind of pay per view. Um, Ming almost throws Benoit from one turnbuckle to the other with that over the head. <laughs> yes, bro. Who who gave him the right to do to put on his working boots? What the fuck was the barbarian doing? I, that was <laughs> that was amazing. I was like, I didn't know he had that in him. Well, it was mostly Benoit doing it, but I mean, barbarian was going to the top rope for a fucking overhead belly to belly suplex from the top rope. Mm-hmm. What yeah. the fuck? And Novin, and I had this in my note too is that. I, I've always been a fan of the Horsemen, but they totally deserve this post-match beatdown. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll give credit. Mario I'll dis- give credit to WCW because they set it up nicely earlier with Arn and, and Rick and J- uh, Jeff leaving. Uh, yeah, M- Mongo. Mongo deserves any beating that's ever thrown. At him. <laughs> that's true. Because fuck that guy, Henry. Uh, yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, my note. Well, first of all, as you know, someone who does not watch the WCW week to week like you do, Adam, seeing Chris Benoit and woman together. Yikes. That's all I'll say about that part. Uh, also, Benoit's tights say 4-H. So instead of wrestling, he should probably be mentoring young boys. Although on second thoughts, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe that's not a good idea. Maybe. I believe no. I believe I've made the 4-H raising cattle joke before. Oh, damn. Uh, I, I also made note of another awesome move by the Faces of Fear where Meng bounces Benoit off the ropes and backdrops him, mm-hmm. and Barbarian catches Benoit out of the air in perfect powerbomb position and drills him, which got a big pop from the crowd, and rightfully so. And once again, this match was actually better than I thought it was going to be because I was like, ah, Faces of Fear, fuck it. But they had some the really faces, nice moves. The faces of Fear are actually pretty good. They are. Yeah, which was surprising and, to me, too, because I thought they were like slow and, and methodical. No, they were fucking intense in this match. Yeah, absolutely. Henry, do you remember I think it was the I think it was the O three Rumble, but it might have been one of the other events that we went to when Haku had come back to WWE uh, or WBF and, and um the there was a group either in front of us or behind us who thought the funniest thing was that every time somebody said the name Haku would be to respond, God bless you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That would have been shortly after the O one Rumble, so it was probably an O one Raw. That that very brief okay. period of time where Haku was still in the company it didn't oh, last yes. long. Although I remember, <laughs> I remember thinking like when Haku was teaming with Rikishi at that point, I was like, "That's actually a pretty pretty solid team. I, I like that as a team." Haku, uh, right there, you go. Well, he actually was uh, Japanese. He wore the, you know, the, <laughs> the printed characters on his face. I just you know, that saw. Was, I just saw a picture. I just saw a picture of him and and Vince. You know when when he signed with the company, you know the shake of hands and whatnot. As a kid, when I was when I was watching WWF superstars back in the day, I I, I legit thought those tattoos were re- those were real tattoos, so but they're not. Did, uh, oh, absolutely! Oh. I I thought so too. So did yeah. I. Um, <laughs> but that but we're all we're all sucker marks, obviously. Oh, oh yeah. And uh, you know, I'm glad. The, the I'm, last note I had was that it was. Um, Oh, sorry. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm really hoping that when you guys did see uh, Haku, it was at a Raw. Because at first, when you. you said the Rumble, I was like, oh my god, they brought in Ming to kick Daniel Pewter's ass too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank god they didn't. He'd be dead. <laughs> they brought in Haku that was, um, <laughs> they had, yeah. they And Benoit. Yep. Um, but yeah, I remember that uh, Haku was the WCW Hardcore Champion when he jumped ship. So that's a big get for the WWF, clearly. Um, but then, yeah, the last note I had from this match was that uh, at, after it was over and Benoit got his ass kicked, a uh, woman was tending to the lifeless body of Benoit, sure. which is obviously a bit of a change of pace. Bit of a, bit of a role reversal. Yeah. It's also, I think, retroactively the only time someone can say, man, I should have stayed in that relationship with Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> no one would ever say that. Yeah. 
But so they they haven't actually acknowledged on camera. I'm assuming that Sullivan and Woman are married at this point, right? No, but I they... want to say like it was very offhandedly mentioned once, but that was it. Yeah, they're kind of saying like we don't know what's going on here with this situation with Sullivan and Woman. It's like okay, so you don't know basic things about your talent. All right, sure, why not? <laughs> Which of course, and this is this is coming up around the time when when real life, or rather when uh, when a work becomes a shoot, as they kind of do the angle where, or they're doing it kind of now, where Benoit is with woman, and then it turns into, like, a real thing of Benoit with woman. It's 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 a real, you know, life-imitating art situation, I gotta say. Yeah. The rumors yeah. for years were that um, Kevin Sullivan booked his own divorce. That's true. Yeah. I think it was his idea to be like, oh, you, should, you two should travel together. And lo and behold, yeah. they do indeed travel together, and then they get a little closer. Mm. Hey, hey, you two should go back to the hotel room and just fucking go to town on each other. <laughs> that will really make the storyline more authentic. Yeah. Chris, <laughs> Chris, go ahead and dive right in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do it for the friggin' angle. I'll be over in the corner with a camcorder. It's a beautiful muff. She's got it in the shape of a star. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, that's good. She she learned that from me. Ah, <laughs> uh, gross. Here's a what the fuck were we talking about? Uh, we are on oh, match yes. number seven. We Tag go to DiBiase. We go to DiBiase as the WCW doctor checks on the Horseman. DiBiase reminds us that the NWO have won both of their matches tonight, and they're about to win a third as the tag title match is next. I really hope this crowd entrance thing doesn't last longer than this pay-per-view, because it's kind of annoying. <laughs> we talked about that. Tony explains that after their victories, security quickly ushered the Giant and Six out of the arena. More on that later. He says this means that they are aware that WCW is here to fight, and that they need to hit and run. I can't help but notice that this seems to have been working for them so far, so... Eh. Finally, an NWO match that doesn't have Nick Patrick as the referee. Uh, there is a distraction in the crowd to start. Looks like a fight between some fans. Uh, speaking of which, while Googling to see if there were any notable edits from this pay-per-view on the network, I discovered that they edited out a fan entering the ring at Batch at the Beach back after Hogan's turn and getting the oh, shit kicked that. out of him by Hall and Nash. I remember that. Yeah, they, they literally, Scott Hall, like, kicks him when he's down on the ground and, like, kicks him out of the ring. It was yep. awesome. Oh, my God. Yep. I forgot about that, but I do remember now that you mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. Don't you just love when fans got so pissed off about things like that, about, like, Hogan turning heel? They're like, I'm, I'm going to give him a piece of my fucking mind, and then they just get destroyed. Get their asses kicked. Yeah, but now it sucks. Um, dude. They, they can't touch him anymore. Like, they can't beat him up like they used to. Why does that suck? Because if you're, if you're <laughs> dumb enough to try to jump in the ring, you deserve oh, to get saying. beat up. I thought you were saying it sucked that the fans couldn't touch the wrestler. I see what you're saying. Okay. Now, that happens a lot in WCW, by the way. You get a lot mm -hmm. of fan run-ins. You've mentioned yeah, that on, you, on past appearances. Because yeah. it's real to them. Have you seen... Hopefully the, network, hopefully the network doesn't continue to edit them out. Right. No. Well, have you seen the one with uh, with Raven where he's sitting down I've in the seen, corner? Yeah. yeah. That pulls him out of the ring by his neck. Yeah. That is the... That's just insane. Yeah. Like, the I guy yanks got, him out by his hair. I haven't gotten to Raven yet. I wonder where the hell Raven is. Anyway... Um, he's, he's crucifying people in ECW. Yeah, yeah. I'm honestly surprised at how competitive this match was. Um, I know Nash doesn't have the book just yet. You're dealing with that on your timeline currently, Henry. But oh, I, was, yeah. I was almost expecting this to be a squash. Was that just me? You were, you were surprised how competitive it was. I was surprised by how slow-paced it was. <laughs> 
Uh, on the apron, Sherry slaps Hall, so Hall makes out with her. I mean, if that's what turns your crank, Scott, more power to you. Uh, which, is, which is like a baby face spot, by the way. <laughs> Stevie comes in on the hot tag, takes out both outsiders, and then Gorilla presses Hall onto Nash. I thought that was a good spot. Uh, they hit the Harlem Hangover, but for whatever reason, Mark Curtis decides to help Booker T out of the ring instead of counting the pin. Uh, Colonel Parker then enters the ring, gets grabbed by Nash, gives up his cane, and runs away with shit in his pants. Uh, Nash, Kane, Stevie, racist, uh, and the Outsiders are your new WCW World Tag Team Champions. Your thoughts on this match, gentlemen? Oh, you missed a lot. <laughs> Nah. I understand. It's a quick recap. Um, so Scott Hall at one point spits at Stevie Ray, and yeah. he does all fuck nothing about it. <laughs> he, ne- like, he spits back at him. Uh, I guess, but you'd expect him to lose his mind and, and, and try to choke him out. Um, the- well, also, the spot is he, he spits in his face, then Scott Hall immediately tags yes. out. No, that's true. Um, nice touch. We get a nice diesel chant when Nash tags in. I thought that was kind of fun. <laughs> yep. And... And a razor chant as well. Um, Also, that whole spot with Sherry. So first, Scott Hall takes the sweat off his stomach and throws it in Sherry's face. (laughs) (laughs) To which results in her slapping the shit out of him. And then he grabs her and they make out for a while. Like, what what did I just watch? What's going on here? (laughs) Um, The Harlem Hangover landing right on top of Scott Hall's head. That looks brutal. Yeah. And as you... That that move never looks like it it lands properly. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Parker shits his pants and hands Nash the cane. And then Parker runs for his life. But uh, it was okay. Mm -hmm. It was was a good match. Your thoughts, Henry? Henry? Yeah, you, you touched on a lot of the stuff I was going to touch on, too. Uh, I made the note that Scott Hall's tights say Chico, which is just giving Vince more ammunition for his lawsuit that he's playing the Razor Ramon character. Um, yeah, like you said, there was a fight going on in the crowd that the fans seemed more interested in at the start, but I can't say I blame them because that is pretty cool. Uh, Booker attempted a crossbody, but Hall caught him in midair and hit him with the fallaway slam, which I thought was pretty cool because at this point, Booker is a very large dude, and Hall just snatched him out of midair, hit the fallaway slam. Great stuff. Uh, so, now, I'm surprised neither one of you mentioned this at the very end when Nash takes the cane from Colonel Parker and nails uh, Stevie Ray with it. So, I once again had to go back and count how long it took between the caning and when Scott Hall actually pinned him. Did you note how much how much time had elapsed? I did. Or would you like to would you like to take a guess? Seventeen seconds. I'm going to say twelve. It was twenty two seconds <laughs> from from caning to Scott Hall draping his arm over Stevie Ray. Which is pretty much the same thing. It's right around the same amount of time it took Triple H to pin Booker at WrestleMania 19. So I I just ha- is, couldn't help but notice that there was such a huge gap in between there. Is that a crossover plug? Mm-hmm. I believe it is for <laughs> WrestleMania's salvation. <laughs> but yes, and this was the first time the Outsiders won the tag titles, which I didn't realize at the time. But yeah, this this was their very first tag title reign, which is kind of crazy because they've been in the company for like six months. But uh, yeah, this was this was the first of uh, of let's say many. Yeah, this is when it but, begins. Yeah. But yeah, the, but the match itself was like you said, did, not that great. But uh, yeah, definitely a bit of history here because the Outsiders. I mean, one of the definitive WCW tag teams, and this is the first time they win the belts. History made in Halloween Havoc. <laughs> Uh, we we then get a very bizarre ad for World War Three on Sunday, November twenty fourth. Fuck World very War Three. Very strange. 
Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> okay. So, 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 Sal, you don't want to guest on that show? I mean, <laughs> hey, WWF has the Royal Rumble, so we're going to have double the amount of people with three times the amount of with rings, triple the amount of rings. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> and it's going to be completely unwatchable because we're going to use a three-way split screen, and you're not going to be able to see shit. Yeah. Exactly. The WWF has 30 men. Imagine if we did 60. Uh, yeah, well, it's it's not good. Yeah, it's like, so you're just adding 30 more jobbers into the mix? Okay, great. Rings. Fantastic. Fuck, you're too like rings. you said, th- uh, the split camera. Like, what the fuck? Now, to yeah. be fair, I honestly, I don't remember fair, who wins in 96. I, I only have one, uh, I only have one past experience with World War Three. So maybe maybe 1996 World War Three was better in terms of camera work. Mm. We'll, fi- we'll find out in a month. Anyway, Hogan. Well, ni- 1996 doesn't have the Yeti, so I'm going to guess it's better. <laughs> True. Uh, Hogan, maybe, but Hogan may still throw a temper tantrum. Uh, Hogan and his bizarre hair is up at the entrance, uh, up at their entrance, <laughs> which prompts Bobby to make this comment. Yo, yo, yo! It's time for Hollywood! I can't hear you! He's got feathers! Look at that. That's almost like a haircut that Sting used to have. No, it's not Hogan, Hogan, Hogan. It's Hollywood. Hollywood, brothers. Maybe those are just nerve ends. Yo, NWOites, I just got done with my brand new Free Ninja movie on November 8th. My brand new movie, Santa with Muscles, opens up, brother. And I got tired of body slamming Hollywood this week. So I decided to come back one more time and body slam a long lost lovesick puppy named the Macho Man. Ooh, yeah! There's only one thing left to say, NWO rules, and it's time for Hollywood! Yeah, here it comes. Must have used a half a gallon of Rogaine. Tony informs us that Hall and Nash have been escorted out of the building following an altercation backstage. However, if you remember earlier, he told us that the Giant had left, and yet the Giant is accompanying Hogan to the ring for some reason. Fair point. Uh, Michael Buffer Did, gets. Wait, I, had to, I can't believe you didn't point out the fact that Hogan is on. Um, like Hogan has has a little interview, or just mic time because I don't was DiBiase with him. I don't actually remember if if DiBiase was holding the mic, but um, I couldn't help but notice that Hogan during his little promo pimps two of his movies: yep. Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain, and Santa with Muscles, both of which are legendary flops. <laughs> uh, we purposely avoided pimping them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but he was like super proud of it. He's like, "I'm Hollywood Hogan, brother. Three ninjas and Santa with muscles." Yeah, big big box office there. So so he, ho- so Hollywood Hogan is the Miz of 1996. Yes, exactly. Although the Marine Six probably made more money combined than those two movies, <laughs> which is not saying much. But yes, ter- terrible terrible movies. Yeah, Michael Buffer gets paid far too much to suck ass for five minutes as he welcomes us to Slim Jim's Halloween Havoc almost two and a half hours into the show. Uh, yeah, not he to takes- cut you off, but I can't believe they're paying Buffer 96. <laughs> and 
he he's getting paid for one announcement and he fucks it up. I, I can't. He takes he, that's that's a theme for him. Yeah. He takes so goddamn long to get to Hogan's introduction that they've already started to play Macho Man's theme song and they have to stop yes. so Buffer can finish. <laughs> yep. Macho yeah. enters and heads over towards the giant Slim Jim box and we wait an awkward amount of time for a monster truck and nothing else. No one even gets out of the truck. Tony says mm-hmm. that's the truck that someone won earlier, which makes it an absolutely useless prize and one hell of a tax burden. Yeah. Which is also not correct, because I think he then later says, oh, we're yeah, actually we'll giving away a street legal version. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there. Uh, DiBiase has some kind of paperwork that apparently allows him to remain at ringside, but Anderson throws the giant out. Uh, much like Hog Wild, Hogan takes his sweet-ass time getting in the ring and starting the match. We see the monster truck again, and Tony has to walk back his comment that that was the truck that was given away, stating very specifically that it was a road-legal vehicle that was given to that woman from Michigan earlier tonight. So um, that, that probably just disappointed that woman from Michigan then, because she's like, oh, I get, to, I get to win that huge thing? Oh, I get to win something that's probably far yeah. smaller? All right, fine, whatever. It's... Well, if you remember when they when they showed the ad on an episode of Nitro, literally a two and a half minute ad for the the, the Slim Jim Halloween Havoc sweepstakes giveaway thing, they were saying they were calling it a monster truck and they were showing a pickup truck. So it's it was literally a pickup truck that they were calling uh, a monster truck for some reason. That, that's funny because I was just about to ask you: Would you rather win the Macho Man's monster truck or Stone Cold Steve Austin's pickup truck? I got so pissed when I didn't win Stone Cold's pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> Still, unless it was was it the one that Dilo Brown got backdropped onto, or was it a different one? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, back back in Las Vegas in 1996, it has literally been ten minutes and nothing has happened. Uh-huh. Hogan has yet to remove his sunglasses. Yeah, ten minutes. But he then, did manage to regrow his hair somehow. Yeah, then they actually started fighting, and I missed it because I was looking at Facebook because this was so fucking boring. <laughs> <sighs> Macho goes on offense as Hogan begs off, and we find out that Hogan was wearing a toupee because reasons, <laughs> I guess. Macho then beats up Hogan while wearing this toupee. That was great. <laughs> that actually did make me laugh. Um, they hit each other with chairs, but they're outside the ring, so it's not illegal. I still don't understand how that's actually a rule. Yeah, that's not a rule, I'm pretty sure. No, it is. Is it really? Remember, I thought that, I, enemy, I just assumed it was like pu- referee's discretion. Public, uh, Larry specified it, said it specifically on an episode of Nitro. Public enemy are allowed to bring the table to ringside as long as it doesn't go in the ring. It's not an illegal object because it's not in the ring. So in this case, you can nail somebody with a chair to the skull like Savage well, did to Hogan? Fucking, you saw Randy Anderson was like fucking looking right at him. I know. But they're outside the ring, so it's not a fucking disqualification. Okay. I don't fucking know. Uh, oh, fuck it. Then how come Flair yeah. can hit uh, Giant in the nuts oh. outside the well, ring? Well, <laughs> that's not a foreign object either. Um, no. Elizabeth- well, if that shit's legal, then just fucking bring a gun. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll, get to that ne- we'll get to that next week. Um, more on that uh, oh. later on. Elizabeth appears tonight. She's cosplaying as Rainbow Sherbet. Uh, <laughs> this... This joke is especially comedic when Tony's next comment is, she appears frozen. She doesn't know what to do. (laughs) Didn't plan that at all, but it was still fucking great. Macho almost sneaks out of victory with a quick roll-up with the tights, but Hogan is able to kick out. Macho then tries to pull his trunks down. Uh, Oh, my God. Hogan then uses Elizabeth as a human shield to gain the advantage again. 
Uh, then Elizabeth gets in the ring for some reason. Hogan focuses on her, which allows Macho time to recover and avoid the leg drop. She then steals some unidentified foreign object from Hogan, and then Randerson gets knocked out, which brings out Nick Patrick. Mm. Great. Nick then screws Macho Man by not counting the three. Following the elbow drop, Savage then gets the object. KO's Hogan goes for another elbow, but DiBiase stops him, so he beats up DiBiase, or at least threatens to until the Giant comes back out. Uh, Giant weakly chokeslams Savage on the floor and throws him back into the ring. DiBiase talks to Patrick as the Giant lays Hogan over Savage, and Patrick counts to three. Before before we get to the aftermath here and what aftermath there is, do, what did you think of the match itself? Personally, I thought it was fucking garbage. Uh, overbooked as hell with a completely stupid finish. Yeah, that would be my take as well. This is not a good match. This is certainly not uh, WrestleMania five caliber when they <laughs> went head-to-head previously. Um, yeah, a couple, a couple notes that I had were number one, Savage is at least in the Halloween spirit because he's wearing black and orange, so yeah. at least one guy of course. was. Of course. Um, I also couldn't help but notice that at the start here, we had Hogan, Savage, DiBiase, and the Giant all at ringside, which is pretty much the exact same thing as WrestleMania four when you had Savage versus DiBiase with Hogan and the Giant at ringside for that match in the final, in the final encounter there. I had to wonder if that was intentional. Uh, obviously, the Giant isn't Andre, but uh, that is his father in WCW, so I think <laughs> that counts. And yeah, the 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 thing that actually so Hogan comes out with that wig on. I I have to touch on this because he's wearing like a spiky hair wig, yeah. and obviously you know it's fake because Hogan didn't just magically regrow his hair. Yeah. But if we if we didn't know what Hogan has looked like all these years, I would actually buy that as being his real hair. Is anybody else with me on that? If we didn't no. already know that he's been bald since well, 1983, I thought it was but, like hair plugs for a second. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Until until so, Savage pulled it off. But go ahead, continue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, speaking of pulling things off, obviously the worst spot of the night, Savage grabs Hogan by his tights, and we see his ass for way too <laughs> fucking long. With with the thong with the thong tan line as well. I mean, my God. If if you wanted to see that, you could just, you know, Google Bubba the Love Sponge, I suppose. <laughs> um Or Bubba the Love Sponge wife. But yeah, my my goodness, this and this match was just yeah, I think Giant hits a choke slam on Savage on the arena floor, yep. and then just kind of rolls him back in. Yep. And by my count, that makes the NWO four and zero tonight right. because Hogan Hogan wins, Outsiders win, Giant wins, Six wins. So literally, the NWO does a clean sweep, yeah. which I'm guessing is probably a, a recurring thing at this point yeah. uh, on most of your pay per views. Adam, I'm guessing they're not losing very much. Yeah, which brings up which brings up kind of an interesting question in 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 terms of this this. Uh, something that I've been kind of thinking about um, for the last, let's see, Bash of the Beach was in July. We're in October, so for the last three, four pay-per-views, um, the the outsiders and the NWO have basically been running the table against mm-hmm. WCW. How how are we? As as fans in 1996, sure, this is exciting. You know, you've got this group of folks, and you don't know who's going to show up when, and who else might come over from Connecticut, and you know. But how how are we supposed to get into it and really kind of think that this is this is an actual competition, that this is an actual competitive battle between the NWO and the WCW if the NWO doesn't fucking lose? Uh, yeah. Well, 
Let's put it this way. They'll, I, they'll I think get at some the time, spots. it made sense at the time, I think. Yeah. They yeah. they will get some hope spots. It, it, and I and there's definitely for all of 96, it looks like the NWO dominates. But um, they sprinkle in a couple things here and there. And, and uh, you'll you'll kind of see how that plays out. My, my bigger concern is that, um, you know, I, I was curious because I didn't remember a lot of people that Hogan feuded with while he was NWO World Heavyweight Champion. And unfortunately, you know, I was proven correct when I looked ahead in 97, and he doesn't show up that often, which is kind of a problem when you think of him supposedly being the top heel and the top drawer in the company. Uh, He's not there that much. Yeah, but right now... Yeah, and I think weirdly, too, if I recall correctly... Uh, like when when Hogan does show up, they tend to keep him separate from the outsiders, which they do on Nitro yep, as well. I which I also that. thought was weird. You don't get a lot of promos with like Hogan, Hall, and Nash, the three men. You, you don't get them together a lot, which is also kind of like a, a weird thing in my mind. But maybe that's just no, me. No, I, I made that note too. We'll get to that at the end of Nitro. Um, a couple notes I have from this match is when Savage put on Hogan sunglasses. Hogan reacts like he just got shot with a gun. <laughs> Uh, also, uh, <laughs> no one wants to see Hogan's ass outside of maybe Brooke. And uh, <laughs> uh, I had put down. She's burying her nose in it. <laughs> I had put down, why is this match no DQ? Or when did it become no DQ? Because, yeah, you're right. Right in front of Randis, and he hits him with a chair. And I'm just like, the bell? And it reminded me <laughs> of Hogan and Slaughter from WrestleMania 7. They went, oh, well, we'll oh. let this go. It's a main event. Nice. We covered that we one did, together on absolutely. WrestleMania Salvation. And we covered WrestleMania 19 uh, with Booker T and Triple H. Yeah. Well, actually, Sal, what, uh, the fact that you mentioned that, like, in WCW, a chair shot to the skull in 1996, I got to figure, Adam, you probably haven't seen very many of those so far on your timeline, I would imagine. Not to the head, no. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure to the back. That's that's fine. Yeah. But like a chair shot to the skull. That's like that's ECW territory they're venturing into there. But Hogan was man enough to take it. Yeah. Just at this moment, the only one, the only ones that I can really the only ones that really spring to mind are Macho and Hollywood. I was gonna say, did Macho and Flair do it? Because I can totally see Macho and Flair doing it. Mm, I don't think so. I don't think so. But well, there there was Starcade '95 where Macho hits Flair in the head with the I think it was a megaphone, and then. Unbeknownst to Flair, Macho starts blading him. <laughs> did you did you know that? That's like that's a story Flair tells is that Macho Man in at Starcade '95 literally starts blading Flair, <laughs> and, and like Flair was not expecting now, it. So Adam, that is you covered horrifying. '95 on this podcast, correct? Um, or I, I don't think so. See, I don't even I think it was. Before. You had to have. Yeah. Okay. It was the one with like the majority WCW versus uh, Japanese guys. Oh, was that the World Cup? Oh, yes. Oh, okay. No, yeah. Hmm. The main the main event though was Savage versus Flair, and it, it literally ends. I think Savage nails, like I said, Savage nails Flair with the megaphone and blades him. But then Savage loses like a minute later, and Flair is just. It's like literally Flair is being bladed like a few seconds before the match is over. It's, it's the most unnecessary thing ever. But uh, yeah, if if someone started blading me out of nowhere, I would be pretty hard. Uh, also during this match. So the the crowd is kind of behind Hogan. I mean, it's a Vegas oh, yeah. crowd. I get it, but the only time they stop booing him is when he starts hiding behind Liz. Right. 
Well, the NWO was pretty over all night for the most part. I mean, the Outsiders, I think like, mainly probably because the Outsiders hadn't won the tag titles yet. The crowd was like super into them. Yeah. Now, uh, the other thing, too, is surprise, Nick Patrick is a fucking piece of shit because he stops counting um, after two and, and allows... Oh, my neck. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh my neck. Yeah, stop it. Uh-huh. And I know you said we'll cover the post-match after. The only yep. thing I want to mention before uh, is that the giant comes out to celebrate, and he's got a giant bowl of yep. ice. Yeah. That's my that's my next note. Giant then comes to the ring with a punch bowl full of ice water, uh, very gingerly carrying it to the ring, mind you. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is and he still manages to spill still it. Still manages to spill it all over the fucking place. This is to wake up Hogan. Um, Mark Curtis and the WCW doctor help Macho leave as Hogan grabs a mic. He doesn't say much, and then bagpipes start to play. Everyone is confused except for the Papa Shango dude who is fucking pumped. And enter <laughs> Rowdy. Roddy Piper. Who is it, Sal? Roddy. Roddy. Piper. Thank you. Uh, Piper. He is followed by someone who is not identified. Uh, <laughs> as, as, you, as you mentioned on Twitter, Henry, it just looked like jacked up Brooklyn Brawler. This, this gentleman is, is not identified up mime. and is not mentioned again. <laughs> I seriously thought he was coming nope. down there to be Piper's backup while, backup while Giant was in the ring. Right. I was like, who, yeah. who the fuck is that guy? Uh, Hogan looks, I got me a mime as a backup. <laughs> Hogan looks terrified. That's my Piper. Piper has a mic. And now the fun begins. Don't even think about it. So you're bored, are you? I've come here to break your monotony. Hey, Sprout! Sprout! Why don't you just head back with a Jolly Green Giant and take a break? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know what, uh, Mr. Piper? There's a big lack of communication here because when I said that I made wrestling, when I said that I own wrestling and I control wrestling, now that I really think about it, I remember that you and I were running neck and neck. Why don't you shut up for a second? It's my turn. Be careful. I am not here to represent the WCW, the NWA, the SPCA, the SOB, although I can be one SOB when I want to be. Be careful. Be real careful. Yeah, I made a lot of money being real careful. <laughs> i tell you something there, Charlie Brown. You've been saying that if it wasn't for you, professional wrestling wouldn't be what it is today. Boy, do I got news for you. I come to you for a reality check there, partner. I come because, you see, I'm just as big an icon in this sport as you are. 
I am just as big a Hollywood movie star as you are. You know, let me have my piece because I'm shooting with this one, folks. I don't care, man. I'm a multi-millionaire, too. I started fighting pro when I was 15 years old. I've had over 6,000 professional matches. I've been stabbed three times. Who? Hello. Sit back, Sprout. Sit back. Oh, let's cut. Wait a second. No, no, no. Shut your mouth. Let's cut. Hang on. Let me have the floor. I've caught your act. Where were you when I was 15 years old taking on all comers in a garage? Where were you? Playing the bass guitar in Tootsie's Bar and Grill? Huh? Where were you? Shut up, man. What's something, Piper? I'm going to call... A spade, a spade. We ran together. The heck with a backstory. We fought together. And I don't have a problem with you because, okay, as you've been out in Hollywood making all those movies and becoming a multi-millionaire, I have to think back and give the devil his due. We ran neck and neck. No, no, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> You remember WrestleMania? <laughs> Tell me something. If I hadn't knocked out Mr. T, took on the New York City Police Department, chased Dick Clark back, had my way with Liberace, if they didn't hate me so much, you think they would have been cheering you so much? Shut up, I ain't finished. Do you know what bothers you? I'm the only guy you have never been able to beat. He's right. And I'll tell you something else. You're going to admit it. I am as big an icon in this sport, and whether you want to say it or not, you at least have the guts to put your hand out, and you shake my hand, and you admit that it isn't you that brought all these people here. It's all these people here that made you. Now, I'll be glad to. Let me tell you something, Piper. We've had wars to settle the score, which didn't get settled. And I thought you took off with your family and were at peace with yourself. But now that I see you face to face, me being the honest man that I am. Yes, I admit, you're just as big a superstar as I am. Then straighten up. Oh, by the way, Piper, on the way out, when you go to the bathroom, you're supposed to squat in that one. Wow. Wow, tell you what. Let me tell you something. No, I've had enough. Let me tell you something. You're messing with Hollywood Hogan and NWO. 
You step back into my world, I can still see you've got the makeup on your face, Piper. And the way it goes, now that I look in your eyes, maybe we need to have the war that didn't settle the score. You your days come. Yeah, I want to know something. Yeah. I'm the reason you got no hair, and what you gonna do about it? Your day's coming, Piper. Oh, really? Your day's coming. Get your hands off, Sprout. Your day's coming, wow. Piper. Come on, Giant. Ladies no fear. We have to go. Tell Let's you go. something else here, Chad. Let's go. I'm the boss. Let's go. But I'm not you finished. Want. You know why? You forgot something. Now we got a problem. Now we got a problem. Now we got oh, a problem. Vance, we have to get out of here. Tell you what my biggest problem is here. I caught your act with Elizabeth. Snacks Good night, everybody. There. This is my sport. You can have this for now, but I'm telling you something. I won't allow no... And that's it. We, we literally go off the air in the middle of a Roddy Piper sentence. I don't know. I don't know about yeah, you, it's... Henry. I don't know about you, Sal. But uh, it seems to me that when Piper said he was shooting, he wasn't fucking kidding. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah, I think so, uh, Henry. If you wouldn't mind, it really does seem. Oh yeah, uh, I have wrote down here how many times WWF slash WrestleMania references were dropped. <laughs> we have the word yep. WrestleMania. We have Dick mm-hmm. Clark, Mr. T, Liberace. War to settle the score, and mm. a vague shot at Goldust when Hogan says, "I can still see the makeup on your face." Oh, I didn't even catch that's, that. Yes, you're right. That's what that was. Okay. Ah, man, good call. Just good call, Goldust Sal. A few months yeah. prior, at WrestleMania 12. For some reason, I thought that was like a reference to like Piper coming off a movie set or something like that. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think you're correct on that. And then in that match, Goldust kissed Piper and makeup was all over right. his face. So. That's right. right. And actually, the next night on Nitro, there is a passing reference where Eric Bischoff's like, the last time we saw Piper, he was the acting president of the WWF. Yep. They, for some reason, they censored WWF on the WWF network, WWE network. Of course they do. But, but yes, you're right. And I... I I was also astonished that Piper flat out mentioned WrestleMania. Yeah, it was. We, and of course, we go off the air with the classic Tony Schiavone. Like, Fans were out of time okay. as Piper is still cutting a promo yeah. for a, a show we all paid for. Well, I mean, we didn't pay for it, but at the time, the fans paid I for love, a show. And it's like, yeah, they, we're going to cut off the air. I love how they try to cover that the next night. We'll get to that. The joke that I didn't get, and I still didn't get it in the replay. We'll get to that. Um, if it was a kilt joke, it was just a stupid kilt joke where Hogan, he says something about having to go to the bathroom. And, and Hogan says... Uh, in these ones, you gotta squat. Hey, Piper, remember, yeah. fuck, you gotta squat when you use those ones, or something like that. It was just like, is it is it a, is it supposed to be a joke about him using the ladies' room because he's wearing a skirt? Yes. Is that what that was supposed yes. to be? Questioning Piper's yeah, manhood, horrible. essentially. Horrible. And so basically, Hogan fucked up because the lady in the man in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. But that was Hogan's fatal error because Piper was leaving the ring, and then he makes that kilt remark, and Piper comes right back in <laughs> and. Oh, and bitch, let's go. Hogan could not yeah. help himself. Piper, Piper literally shook his hand and was like, then straighten up. After Hogan, Hogan, credit to Hogan, by the way, for desperately trying to get Roddy on topic. Right. Well, no, Roddy was on topic. He just didn't realize how much time they didn't have left. Because Hogan yeah. was like, all right, Piper, I'll admit it. You run neck and neck with me. And Piper's like, not yet. Nope, nope. Not I'm going to finish. <laughs> Nobody. Uh, no, I actually uh, thought the Piper promo was uh, 
I mean, come on, 1996. It was pretty shocking to hear him bring some of that oh, stuff yeah. up. Uh, he still looks good. And I liked how he called the giant sure. Sprout. <laughs> <laughs> sprout, yes, several times. Yeah. And also the fact that he, he went there and said that he's the reason Hogan has no oh, hair. So, yeah. And then he said, what you gonna do? Yeah. He also said that they're that he's just as big of a movie star as Hogan. To which I would say, dude, you're selling yourself short because some of those movies are much better movies say, than you're, the one you're, Hogan you're made. A bigger star than Hogan. Hey, we still got the line. Yeah, they live. I came yeah. here to kick ass and chew bubblegum, and I'm all out of bubblegum. Damn right. There you go. So right, th- that line alone is bigger than anything Hulk Hogan ever did in any movie. Yeah. <laughs> Although apparently, as before we went on the air here, we, the, the news broke that uh, Chris Hemsworth will be playing Hulk Hogan in a biopic, so we'll see if that ever actually materializes or if that gets canceled at some point. But uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be interesting. But in terms of this promo, yeah, I, I don't know how you can go off the air in mid-promo with, with what is supposed to be a huge angle with fucking Roddy Piper debuting. Not, I guess not debuting because he was in NWA back in the day, but yeah, it's fucking crazy. Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Oh, I but, loved when Piper was like, I'm not here for the WCW, the NWA, the AWACP. Yeah. Yeah, he said NWA instead of NWO. Well, no, so. no he meant the NWA. I, I don't think, yeah, I think that was. Oh, he's, okay. Oh, maybe, maybe. I thought he was saying he, like the thing that he's not WCW or NWO, but yeah, maybe, maybe. I, I don't fucking know. Because that, that could have been a reference. That could have been a reference to Jarrett's promo where he talks about where it was a couple of weeks ago when he first came in and, and they were uh, commentator commentary kept going. Is Jeff Jarrett? Yeah, join the NWO, and then he's with Tanay or whoever it was, and he, and he talks about how his father running whatever promotion that was, and so that could have been a reference to that as well. But no, I think I, I, I think NWA was not a mistake. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so I actually really enjoyed this show. Right, right, really? right up until the main event. Um, oh. I thought all the undercard matches were really quite good. Something I have not been able to say about a WCW pay per view thus far on Nitro Mania. Um, I think the worst match on the undercard was probably Jarrett versus Giant. What do you guys think? I was highly entertained mm-hmm. by this pay per view. Um, oh, I guess I'm in the minority. I, I was kind of surprised. Right. I wasn't expecting to be, but I loved the opening match. Um, I thought the Horseman match was good with the Faces of Fear. Uh, the the Debiasti stuff in the crowd was annoying, but it, you know it was what it was. And and I actually found Macho Man and Hogan, although the ending was stupid, I found the match pretty funny. Um, it definitely wasn't the blood feud they made it out to be, but. Overall, I thought I thought Halloween Havoc was a B plus. So, what would you say? Oh, okay. What would you say was the worst match on the show? Oh yeah, probably Jarrett Giant. I mean, the kind of yeah, I got it what they were trying to go for, but it, it served no point for me. Uh, I liked yeah. how they tied in, you know, Flair and, and the Giant into that that match of Flair hitting him in the nuts. But ultimately, yeah, that was probably the worst match. Henry. Hmm. For me, it's more of a, of a C to C minus, just because watching this show, it starts off fantastic. Obviously, Rey Mysterio versus Malenko, my match of the night, no question. That was a great match. I think we all agree yeah. on that, yeah. 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 <laughs> but but then pretty much from there, it was all you know middling matches up to the main event, which was a poor match. And for me, I think actually the worst one was, uh, I'd have to actually go Luger versus Arn Anderson, which is obviously not Arn's fault. <laughs> 
but there was just there was just too much Luger. That was too long for a Luger match. <laughs> um, the the finish, notwithstanding, when he cripples Arn Anderson despite <laughs> being the babyface. Um, but yes, no, I, I would definitely put this more in the C to C minus range. I wasn't as as high on it. And of course, at the end with Piper coming out and being cut off before we could actually get the promo. Uh, yeah, I was not not a huge fan of. I was thinking of like going back in 1996 if I had ordered this pay per view, would I have been satisfied? And I definitely don't think I would have been satisfied. Ah, okay. fair point. But if when you think about some pay per views that were going on in '96, particularly in the WWF, this oh was a lot better than some of the shit I remember from then. <laughs> You're saying this was better than In Your House, Buried Alive, which was about to, which had just yeah, gone down. Pretty much, man. <laughs> I actually don't remember that pay-per-view very well, so it could have been. <laughs> All right. So what would you – if you guys had to guess, what would you say this uh, this show is at on, on Cage Match? Uh, from a fan rating perspective? Yeah, out of 10. I'll go – I'll say it was – it's at a 5.8. And I'll say so? it was at a 6.6. So on Cage Match, this, the, the show has a very good 6.07 out of 10. Oh, wow. oh, oh so I was closer. <laughs> I was closer. Personally, I I think personally I would say that's a little low. I might actually give it maybe closer to a seven uh, or maybe a seven straight. Um, but elsewhere in the world yeah. on October 27th, uh, it was the 314th anniversary of the founding of Philadelphia. I'll throw that in for you, Henry. Hey. Uh, it was John Cleese's 57th birthday. Dick Trickle's 55th birthday, which I point out just so I can say Dick Trickle. <laughs> and mm. undisputed era member Bobby Fish turned 20. So, any any last words? I have some I, notes. I, I, whoa, 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 whoa. Bobby Fish turned 20 on that day? Yes. So he's 40 now? Did I do them? I might have done that thing correctly. There's no way Bobby Fish is 40 years old. Going to my phone, because it was late. I may be bad. I'm very well bad at math at late when I'm tired. Mm. Anyway, you were saying, Henry? Well, well, first of all, I was diagnosed with Dick Trickle in college, <laughs> but... Uh, I got some numbers for you. If you does anybody want to guess the number of pay per view buys? I don't know if you looked this up, Adam, but how many buys Halloween Havoc did? I did not. Okay, good. Well, then you can guess how, how many would you say it did? Oh, I don't know what like a good number is. So, <laughs> well, that'll make that'll make the guess even more interesting. Uh, Thirty-six thousand. I don't know. Sal. No idea. Uh, before I answer that, Adam was correct. Bobby Fish is going to be turning 40 this October, which is crazy to yeah. me because he's still got so, another yes. five years before he makes it to the main roster. Yeah. So he was, But he was 17 in, in 96, so that was my bad. But yes, he's 39. Jesus Christ. Right. Um, I, anyway. If I had to guess on the pay-per-view buys, given Hogan Savage, given how hot the NWO was, I'm going to say 240,000. Whoa, Sal, very close. Yeah, 250,000. Okay. Uh, Adam, Adam, just so you know, the lowest WSW pay per view ever did fifty thousand. So again, I, and that was like that was in the two thousand one era. So I, again, just so you I, know, I have no information on the metrics here. That's fine, uh, but that actually is uh, the from Halloween Havoc ninety five. It's actually it was one hundred twenty thousand. So they pretty much doubled it. They more than doubled it from last year. Mm-hmm. So that's that's what Hogan being a heel does. Now, how for many you. of those people uh, requested refunds after Piper and Hogan went <laughs> <in> the air? <laughs> no. Hashtag Halloween Havoc 98 if you want to talk about refunds. Um, but uh, I also have some notes from the Wrestling Observer if you'd like to uh, hear some of those. Sure. So WCW tried to keep the Piper signing a secret, but word leaked out to the WWF a few days prior, so Jim Ross spoiled it on his hotline. 
Uh, Meltzer reports that Hogan just signed a three-year deal with WCW literally four days before the pay-per-view, but here's the really interesting part. Hogan apparently turned down a five-year offer from the WWF, which was for $5 million a year. The plan would have been for Hogan to make a surprise return in the Rumble match and win it. So think about that shit. 1996? It, well, yeah, it would have been Rumble 97, so no Austin winning. You would have had Hogan in there instead. Holy shit. Imagine what could have been. And the WWF was also trying to lure away Randy Savage so they could bring Hogan and Savage back at the same time, but now that Hogan resigned, the WWF has less interest in the Macho Man, so this kind of touches off a period where he's kind of in a little bit of limbo, where he's not as valuable to WWF anymore, and WCW is like, should we bring him back? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, Halloween Havoc broke WCW's all-time gate record, bringing in $220,000 in ticket sales and another 69000 in merchandise sales, half of which were NWO products. So so WrestleMania 13 would have been Bret Hart versus Hulk Hogan. Oh, yeah, potentially, God. yeah. Oh, my God. Potentially. You thought, and you thought WrestleMania 10 was bad. Right. But, well, who knows? Because, I mean, who knows? Because the initial plan, remember that Austin won... And at the time Austin won, Michaels was the champion. And then by the time WrestleMania rolls around, it's Undertaker versus Sid. So who the fuck knows? If Michaels Um, wouldn't lay down for Bret in a rematch at WrestleMania 13, do you think he would have laid down for Hogan? (laughs) No. And then, so my my final note here, this is not exactly related to anything Halloween Havoc, but uh, it's it's a great note from the Observer I had to note. Uh, Ahmed Johnson was recently on Livewire, and someone called in asking if there was racism in the WWF because the caller himself was black and wanted to know. So, of course, Ahmed said there was no racism in the WWF, but the fun part here is that the black man who called in was actually Kevin Dunn. So there you go. Kev- Kevin Dunn called into Livewire on a a like a like on behalf of the WWF being like, I'm a black guy. Is there racism there? So yeah, they actually did that. Wow. No wonder I could. No wonder I could never get through when I tried to call Livewire. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because Kevin, Kevin Dunn was jamming up the line. Call in and pretend to be a black man asking Ahmed about racism. Holy yes. Shit. <laughs> I I I refuse to believe that Kevin Dunn would be a piece of shit like that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I know. Which also, I guess, that means the WWF had no actual black employees who <laughs> call in, presumably. <laughs> Fuck, man. Kind of sad. Okay. My name is uh, my name is Devin Cun. <laughs> couldn't have, you couldn't have Clarence Mason go do it. Oh yeah, there you go. He was probably like, "No, I'm not saying you're not racist because you absolutely are racist." <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. So yeah, that was my last note. Okay. Any any more any more notes, Sal? Before we move on, uh, for havoc. No, I think it, it was it was like I said, I had fun. It was entertaining for me. I, I feel bad for you going into '97. <laughs> All right, so let's move on. It is Monday, October 28th, 1996, and we are live from Phoenix, Arizona. This is the America West Arena in Phoenix. WWE has been running this arena since 1993. WCW only made a few stops here, including Nitro Episode 14, which included nothing of note other than the unannounced and completely inexplicable appearance of Charles Barkley for a Ric Flair promo. Uh, so we are in Phoenix, home of rattlesnakes, dry heat, and the 2019 Royal Rumble. And we open mm-hmm. with the same opening video we've had for the last year and almost two months. Do you think if I went to the last episode of Nitro and played the open, it would still have Yellow and Red Hogan and Surfer Sting? 
I was going to mention that. Anyway, Tony welcomes us to the broadcast. Larry is wearing a Superman t-shirt for some unknown reason. Uh, we got a photo recap yeah. of Piper's appearance last night. Tony promises to show the promo later in hour two, and I wonder if they'll show the entire thing. Uh, Larry says Piper is WCW's next best hope, basically. Uh, your opening contest this evening is a television title match hey, <laughs> between Juventud Guerrera and the champion Lord Steven Regal. And it is good to finally confirm that the WCW television championship does still exist. As the bell rings, we get a shot of Pennywise Sting sitting up in a box seat, that elitist prick. Yeah. Yeah, he's still half-assing it with that. <laughs> the the NWO picketers appear almost immediately. Six is in the crowd and has a live microphone. He welcomes us to NWO Nitro, which makes Larry mad. He promises to eventually win the Cruiserweight title so that all the titles will be in the NWO. May I remind you that the Giant is not actually the U.S. champion. He has possession uh, of the belt. Yeah, and that's nine-tenths of the law. Regal avoids a 450 and taunts to the crowd. We get a shot of Sting again, and then the Regal stretch finishes off Hooventude. This match, if you can call it that, was really just a backdrop to Sting in the skybox and six in the crowd. Yeah. Pretty much don't pay attention to what's going on in the ring. Let's just <laughs> look, let's look at other oh, stuff more instead. more on that later. But, uh, yep. Yeah, throughout the couple night. A couple quick notes. Uh, holy shit, that was a ton of pyro to open the show. Uh, have, they, mm, they haven't been is. doing that the whole way since episode one, right? Adam? Are you kidding me? They open hour two in the middle of a show, in the middle of a match sometimes, with yeah. ex-extraneous, unnecessary pyro. Yeah, they do that tonight. Uh, Larry's uh, line of the new world odor is already getting old. Yeah, he does that a lot. That was old the second episode he, he used it. <laughs> um, also... <laughs> Uh, Larry at one point says it would be curtains if Sting joined the NWO. And then two minutes later, he's like, Sting looks pathetic up there. So (laughs) thanks, Larry. If he joins, now we know whose fault it is. If Sting joins the new world, odor. (laughs) And then also... He was was nice enough. He was nice enough on this night to wave his hand in front of his face as though there were an actual smell. Which he hasn't done in the past. Also, post-match, Shivani says he's going to get a word with Steven Regal, or Lord Steven Regal, and Regal's like, nope. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. Yep. Uh, Tony tells us that he's going to talk to Regal. We see Sting get up and walk off, and then Tony tells us we have to go to commercial, and maybe we'll talk to Regal after the break. Uh, Then the Faces of Fear try to sell us a Monday Nitro t-shirt in a foreign language. When we come back, no Lord Steven Regal, instead a photo recap of Arn Anderson versus Lex Luger. Sorry, Lugar. Enter the new Lord of the Ring, DDP. He is fighting Mike Enos. Henry, will will you do the honors? You're an Enos. The outsiders appear in the crowd. Enos actually counters a diamond cutter and gets some offense in of his own. He's not so lucky the second time, however, and gets pinned. I think the most notable thing about this match is that DDP still smokes on his way to the ring. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I had a couple notes. Sure. Uh, well, my first note is that Mike Enos is one half of Rough and Ready, which is also one of my favorite male-on-male adult films. Uh, and yet again, the wrestling becomes completely secondary because the outsiders show up in the crowd and completely distract the fans. Yep. But that also made me think for a second. I was like, wait a minute. Mike Enos in the ring, Scott Hall in the crowd. Suddenly I'm having flashbacks to, <laughs> to about May 96. Uh but yes, I also uh, the other thing that I don't think we touched on was the fact that the outsiders are cheering DDP. Yes. Yeah. So could could that be? Could DDP be the next man to join the NWO? 
this is big. I don't. I actually don't know when that decision gets revealed, but it's a huge moment a when huge it actually happens. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's for sure. Do you know when that is, Sal? Is that coming it, up? I is believe, that in the next couple I months? Or is it's spring of '97? Maybe. Maybe. Uh, oh, February. Maybe. Spoilers. Oh, they really dragged that out then. Spoilers. I might be wrong. Oh, we haven't hey, said I might anything. Be wrong. It might be next week, but I, I I feel like it's a couple months away. Sure, I have no I have no idea what happened. So. Um, Oh, good. Uh, Did either of you catch Tony? I think it was during that video of the recap um, with Luger and Arn. Uh, he said the ref got bumped and then immediately tried to cover up him saying the ref got bumped. <laughs> and also, uh, Mike Enos, it's rough and ready Blake Beverly in his mm-hmm. leather chaps glory. <laughs> <laughs> Smoking guns. But I will say, he, he, you know, that counter to the diamond cutter was decent. Um, and then Paige wins with the diamond cutter. So, and the outsider's cheer. Yeah. So that was, that was a match. It's our one. Yeah. Adam, Adam, since you don't know, do you think DDP joins the NWO or not? I don't think he does. Mm. But I don't remember. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I guess you're going to find out at some point. At some point. Back from break for a photo recap of the Cruiserweight title match. Enter Jim Powers and Teddy Long to his Price is Right music bed. He is taking on Dean Malenko. Someone named A.C. Green is in the crowd in an NWO t-shirt. You, He's a yeah. you fucks son. know who I, that is, right? Yes, he, I got a fun fact for you about A.C. Green. Oh boy. NBA star, kind of. A.C. Green. Yes. I, well, here's the fun fact about A.C. Green. Uh, his claim to fame was that he remained a virgin throughout his entire NBA playing career, which spanned 16 years, until he finally married his wife and chucked it in at age 38. <laughs> so, but by the way, staying a virgin, he played in Los Angeles with the Lakers for a long time, so that had to be hard to do to stay to stay a virgin that long. So, so good for him, good for him. But yes, that is that is literally his uh, his claim to fame is when you think of AC Green, you think of the basketball virgin. Wait, basically. was it good for him though? <laughs> I, I, it's probably good for him, probably not for the wife, yeah, I would imagine. True. Uh, that probably lasted shorter than the 24-second clock, <laughs> I, I would guess. Uh, speaking of AC Green, why the fuck does Larry uh, bury the NBA? For no reason. Oh, the NBA, that's not a sport. I know. By the way, when they're also saying that the NBA is going to be on TNT <laughs> this Friday, I think they said, it's like when the, the season tips off. So it's like, oh, f- fuck those guys in the NBA. Tune in yeah, Friday night to see. like, all oh, those guys get free shots at the basket. <laughs> yeah, what a bunch of pussies. Tune in this Friday, Suns versus Lakers. <laughs> I was going to put a little pop quiz here since Jim, Jim Powers is oh, in the please. match. Oh, now, he debuted. So he's, he's still collecting a paycheck nine years after he debuted as one half of the Young Stallions in the WWF. Do either of you remember who his tag partner in the Young Stallions was? All right, then. Fair enough. All right. Nice. You're right. I win a trivia tonight. <laughs> you do. Um, you know, I got to say for Jim Powers, you know how people are always like, oh, that kid's got the look. Has anybody ever had the look more than Jim Powers with the least amount of charisma in, the, in this entire business? Maybe the warlord? But Jim Powers <laughs> looked like a million Renegade. bucks. Had the personality of a paper, of a, like a, a, you know. A can. <laughs> a, a paper can, okay. <laughs> yeah. Or like uh, Ken Patera is a good example of that. The former bodybuilder is like bland as shit. True. Um, also, Psychosis does the throat cut motion. Obviously a warning to Nancy Benoit. Also, also we're not there yet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Uh, Nick Patrick, still wearing a neck brace. And yes, suddenly psychosis is in the entrance. We do not know why. Uh, Nick Patrick continues to feud with Teddy Long for no goddamn reason whatsoever. And Malenko rolls up powers for the victory. Teddy and Patrick argue more, and that's your pet boy's power pin of the week. At least it's a pin this week and not a submission like it was last week. Was it a Jim Powers pin Mm. of the week? Ah. (laughs) If I could turn off your Skype connection, I would. (laughs) My favorite part, actually, was the fact that Psychosis shows up wearing street clothes, jeans, turtleneck, and big-ass mask with horns, obviously. Of course. Because, yeah. And you know, you know who was never able to defeat Psychosis? Who? Chris Benoit. That's exactly right. Yes, Chris Benoit. <laughs> now who wins? A Lost his battle to Psychosis. Yeah, that's right. Adam wins a trivia. <laughs> uh, he he yeah, probably no, did beat him at some he's point. Gotta, he's got to wear the mask. If he lost the mask, he'd have nothing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, he he never loses his. I don't think. Does he? Hooventude definitely does. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Psychosis does. Was Psychosis in the Mexicals? I don't know. I think so. He didn't, I think he, he was. didn't have a mask there. Because none of them had a mask oh. in the Mexicals. Anyway. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, same WCW magazine ad, as always, including Surfer Sting. Uh, there's Saturday Night, the Rock and Roll Express versus the Faces of Fear, Jericho versus Benoit, plus Jimmy Graffiti, Big Bubba, the Taskmaster, and more. Yeah, I couldn't believe that, by the way, that Shivani is just casually like, oh, Jericho versus Benoit on Saturday Night. I was like, what Saturday the fuck? Saturday Night, WCW Saturday Night was a really good show that started to fade once they made Nitro their main show, but at this point, yeah. they're still in that in-between area. It's still, it's still something I'm getting used to, Nitro not being the actual flagship program of the company. So I'm yeah. sure at some point well, on a Saturday night is when it was revealed that the Giant had stolen or that the NWO had stolen the United States Championship and given it to the Giant, but we never saw it on Nitro, so no idea. Yeah. It always pissed me off, too. They call it WCW Saturday Night, but they would always say, 6.05 in the afternoon. It's like, no, it, it, you said night. Saturday night. What the fuck? Oh, what pissed me off is it was never on at 6.05 because they had to wait for the Braves' day game to be over. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, it went into extra innings, fans. Sorry, we're starting at 9.05. On the, in the afternoon. Uh, then, right, a, yes, exactly. then a photo recap of the Faces of Fear versus the Horsemen, specifically the post-match beatdown. Enter Ricky Morton. His opponent tonight is Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett feigns an elbow injury for seemingly no reason whatsoever. Uh, Tony then tells us to get a pen and paper because he's going to tell us how to get tickets to World War Three next month. So the tickets for the next pay-per-view event haven't gone on sale yet. Sounds about right. What is this, the Middle Ages? <laughs> it's WCW. <laughs> Morton submits to the figure four, and suddenly the giant has a microphone. No idea where he fucking came from. He promises to choke slam Jared at some undetermined point in the future. Then Tony talks to Jeff, who challenges the giant, who has already left. Good one, tough guy. Were <laughs> you Hacksaw Jim Duggan? <laughs> tough guy? Tough guy? Yeah, he was in the toilet. <laughs> I found the Best ring in the toilet. To relieve myself. <laughs> I got a couple notes here. Please. Number one, uh, number one, the Viper, Ricky Morton. Uh, after that, <laughs> after that, so these two are fighting now, Jarrett and Ricky Morton, but eventually they'll make up and join Jim Cornette's NWA stable in the WWF in 98, which is very successful. Uh, Ricky Morton's mullet, nothing more needs to be said. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Uh, Jarrett hits a top rope crossbody, which I don't think I've ever seen him attempt. And then he wins the match with the figure four, which automatically makes him better than Ric Flair, since Flair hardly ever wins with that move. And 
And, uh, yeah, also, Jarrett cuts that sort of, like, rambling babyface promo yeah. afterwards where he calls out where he calls out Hulk Hogan, to which I say, you wish, pal. <laughs> you wish. Yeah. He also, so, yeah. He also volunteers to take over leadership of the Horsemen from Arn Anderson, since, since Arn Anderson's almost dead, and they have, to, they have to play him off like he's at the Oscars. They have to play, <laughs> yeah, start exactly. playing his fucking music since he won't shut the fuck up. I'm sure all the fans and tenants were like, no, don't do it. So, uh, very similar notes to what I had here, as Jared's promo was nothing but rambling nonsense. Yeah. Uh, that's your fucking, you know, <laughs> face of the four horsemen, I guess. Uh, in his mind, at least. Uh, the match with, uh, you guys say Ricky Morton. I thought it was the corpse of Wildfire Tommy Rich. Because, uh, wait, Ricky Morton is how old at this point in WCW? Oh, he's like 55. <laughs> probably. I don't think so. Because I remember... Who's the other guy? Who's Robert I remember I had Gibson. to look it up. Robert Gibson's probably dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, and the match was short and pointless, just like uh, Ricky Morton's run in the WWF. <laughs> Very true. In the WCW, we'll get to that later. Uh, enter High Voltage when we come back. They are taking on the amazing French Canadians who sing O Canada, or at least they mumble part of it before being attacked. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. then the dynamite appears. Needless Pyro and Bischoff welcomes us to our number two by telling us that Macho Man has disappeared. Bischoff reminds us that they are to be referred to as the amazing French Canadians, and then he shits all over them. Rougeau crushes, uh, let's say, Chaos with a super whoopee cushion and is about to attempt another double-team maneuver with uh, Oulette when the Nasty Boys storm the ring. They beat up all four guys and grab a mic. Wonderful. So another non-match on this episode of Nitro. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, first of all, uh, High Voltage comes out, and I'm sitting here thinking, um, is that the most generic tag team that ever came out of the power plant? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just call them High Voltage. That's probably the now. only tag team. That's the only tag team to ever come but, out of the power plant. But, but they, touch, they touch their fingers, and they act like they're being electrocuted. Hence power plant. Um, also... Hey, was that was that a play on where they came from? Their high voltage because they came That's from the power plant. It probably, oh, okay. probably is. Yeah. Um, also, if somebody told me in 1996, danger, danger. Sorry, that the fat <laughs> high voltage. <laughs> if someone told me in 1996 that the fat Quebecer is going to be a super hot indie act 20 years from now, I would never <laughs> believe you. Yeah, I was going to put that note down that he looks like he's ready to give birth at any moment in this match. But which is kind of crazy cuz like on my timeline, the Quebecers do make a very brief comeback in the WWF in 1998 and I remember Carl Ouellette actually being in pretty good shape when they do, come back do to you the even WWF know but what Pierre Carl Ouellette is doing these days. Uh, you told me before that he's on the indie scene and like Ring oh, of yeah, Honor. Oh yeah, he's like a big places? deal and he's like a deathmatch guy. It's it, it's crazy. I don't even know PCO. how to explain it. PCO, yeah. the best. Well, you know, it, I was gonna say if he's doing death matches, then what we need is Oulette versus Arquette. Okay. I mean, obviously. Uh, also, the the countdown starts in the middle of the match, and me who yep. doesn't watch Nitro, I'm thinking, was this a Royal Rumble? Who's coming out next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fans nowadays would start counting down from ten. And also, yeah. I find except, that except that Nitro doesn't have a screen, so they wouldn't be able to see true. the countdown. Uh, Oh, that's fair. Uh, also, yeah. I find Jacques Rougeau's bald spot very offensive. <laughs> he needs to he mm. needs to do something with that. Uh, and then the Nasty Boys, and uh, you know, they come out, and I'm thinking, great, more '90s, <sighs> more mid '90s WF tag teams is what this match needed. 
And then they give yeah, a I, mic to I, fucking Jerry Sags. Like, why would they do that? To both. I know, to yeah, both. You're right. Yeah. I, I have said it on this program. I have said it on other programs. I hate the Nasty Boys. I have <laughs> always hated the Nasty Boys. For good reason. Anyway, Sags. Did you? Oh, you even hated them when they were WWF Tag Team Champs. I hate the Nasty Boys. <laughs> let it. Sags let him reiterate. Says, I hate the Nasty Boys. Like, fair enough. When all I right. was on. This came up when I was on Three Way Theater uh, when we did SummerSlam '92, uh, and yes. I was told to watch a a video promo of the the Nasty Boys going to some. It was either an aquarium or a museum of science or something. And they were like, you watch this and you'll enjoy it. You'll, you'll think of the Nasty Boys. I watched it. No, I still fucking hate the Nasty Boys. <laughs> hmm. um, yeah, so Sags, I- as you mentioned, Sal, Sags has a mic. Uh, he says, about a week or so ago, they were invited to join the NWO, meaning Sags has no comprehension of time because it was really like a month ago that that happened. Hmm. Uh, the Nasty Boys then compare themselves to Sting and Roddy Piper, mm. which is a goddamn joke and a half. Yeah, Nobbs, those guys were never tag team wrestlers. Nobbs then talks about how old they are and quotes Michael Buffer. So Michael Buffer got a nice payday off of this episode of Nitro, too. Uh, when we come back... Uh, oh, well, actually, could I, could I just make the note that Sags says that, like, where, like, we were invited to join the NWO, and then they basically turned on them. Yeah. But then they're like, we don't need to fit in with anybody. So it was kind of like, that promo came off to me like, well, I don't want to be in your stupid club <laughs> anyway. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. That, that's that's pretty weak shit right there, Jerry Sags. Uh, I hate the fucking nasty boys. Yeah, <laughs> this was fucking garbage. Um, now nowadays, Jerry Sags is a sentence because <laughs> he's old. Yep. How old do you think Jerry Sags was in 1996? Oh Jesus! In 96, I'd say he was 30, 36. I was gonna say 42. Uh, he was 32 years old. Jesus. Oh, my God. He's 32 going on 50. So Jerry Sags is one of those people who ages like milk. Yeah. Ooh. My goodness. All right. When we come back, enter Jimmy Graffiti. Uh, he is taking on Rey Mysterio Fuck Jr. It. Bischoff then basically calls out Piper for shooting last night and going well over his allotted time. Um, By the way, you want you want to talk about people who age like milk? Uh, Jimmy, oh, no, we'll, get, we'll get to that. Let him finish. We'll get to that after. Yeah, yeah. I, I I mentioned I mentioned last week uh, when he debuted that this was Jimmy Del Rey. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I totally missed that last week because I was like, who the fuck is the middle aged asshole with the graffiti <laughs> no, gimmick? I, I, I remember him talking about Jimmy graffiti. I didn't remember him saying that it was Jimmy Del Rey, so I had no idea who it was, and I was considering looking him up, but I was like. I'll never be able to find him. He's too obscure. He's a WCW jobber. Yeah. Seeing seeing WCW's penchant for one-and-done job guys on Nitro, if I hadn't looked him up last week, I would have been very surprised to see Jimmy Graffiti on this week's Nitro. <laughs> um, yeah. According to his shirt, however, Jimmy actually spells his name with one F and one T. Yep. I made that note, Graffiti. too. Uh, he's an extra large, and he works for WCW. <laughs> That's that's even worse than Lex Lugar because that's your own gear that you're spelling <laughs> your name wrong. Yeah, that's like a, on the, the why, most recent episode of uh, Raw it, on our timeline. Why did it have XL in the in the lower in the lower back though? I don't know. Yeah. But the most recent episode of Raw on my timeline, Midian comes out M I D I A N <laughs> before they before they settled on a spelling for that one, which I think took quite some time. What's that guy's name? Median, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, Meteor Meteor Shower. Uh. At one point, uh, at one point, 
Graffiti drops a leg, holds it in a pin, and gets a one count as Ray nonchalantly just raises his arm off the mat, and <laughs> Bischoff goes, Woo, that was close! <laughs> no, no, Eric. No, it wasn't. Uh, a springboard Hurricane Rana pins Graffiti for three. Um, at least this was an actual, like, match match. I guess. So you can you can say that. Yeah, so before sure. I knew who Jimmy Graffiti was, I had put down in my notes, hey, decent bump taker, but he needs to go back to the gimmick factory. <laughs> Little did I know that he was the <laughs> fucking Jimmy Del Rey from the Heavenly Bodies. Wow. The Gigolo. Wow, that Gigolo, guy. Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey. Uh, I cannot. You know what? Where's Ta- Where's Dr. Tom when you need him? Uh, <laughs> uh, also, yeah. at one point, uh, AC Green is spotted in the crowd and looks like he wants to fight someone tonight, at which Bischoff hammered Several home times. ridiculously. Yep. Were they trying to get him under I was, contract, or were they just? I was just. I was. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Uh, uh, also, Ray should never. Well, talk. first of all, they would never. They would never put a basketball player. They'd never put a basketball player in the NWO. Right. That'd be ridiculous. Uh, also, Ray Ray Mysterio should never <laughs> talk at this point because he says something to the camera after the match, and he just no, just don't do that. <laughs> That is actually something I noticed, too, is like when the guys come out from backstage, a lot of them cut little mini promos into yep. the camera on their way down. I kind of like that, actually. Uh, but why, why is Ray well, they're not, not going to get mic time otherwise. Uh, Jimmy Del Rey at this point? Because <laughs> if he just lost the Cruiserweight title last night, shouldn't he be fighting a Cruiserweight? If they're hyping up the well, fact I mean, that he's supposed to be going back against Malenko soon? We don't know how much Jimmy Graffiti weighs under that baggy-ass jersey that he was wearing. All we know is that he's an extra-large. Yeah, well, that's good if you. That's good if you're a gigolo. Yeah, this was a match. That was about it. <laughs> yep. Uh, we get an ad for the NWO shirt and the new NWO hat. Buy that's just fifteen dollars. Buy the shirt. Uh, then Lee Marshall is in Grand Rapids, Michigan, with a one eight hundred collect on the road report. Oh. Get your tickets for next week's Nitro. They don't talk about the weather yeah. this week, thankfully, but Lee does mention that he's at a Halloween party. So, yeah, was... total. That's complete bullshit. <laughs> He's, he's at a Nitro Halloween yeah, party, and it's completely silent in the background. <laughs> yeah, just, he's in his fucking bathrobe in a hotel. I sneak up into a closet and call you up on the one and like a rotor horn on a little party. On a, yeah. Kids are really crazy. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, the spelling errors continue because they spell Lee's last name with one L. So we're in, we're in top form. <laughs> uh, my, my question here is always, why is Lee in the town where – he's always in the town where Nitro is going to be next right. week. Which like makes no sense. It's like, well, well, Tony, the Patriots play in Miami this week, so I'm in Buffalo, where they're going to be next gotta, week. Like, what? You gotta, no, you got to sell those tickets. He, but he's always going to miss the action. <laughs> yeah, shouldn't he be in the town that they're in? Like, hey, I'm also would in you, Phoenix. But- would you? Would you really be complaining about missing? Jimmy Graffiti versus Rey Mysterio and DDP versus Ricky Morton. No, but I get that he's not at the show, <laughs> but he should Jeff, be. Jeff Jarrett, rather. He should be at, the, hey, Phoenix is a hot town. We're at a Nitro party tonight. Like, that would make more sense. Yeah, but then he can't sell tickets for next week's show. I Just just once I'd like him to be like, well, Tony, I'm at a Nitro Halloween party. And for Tony to just be like, oh, yeah, why don't you put somebody else on the line? <laughs> like, oh, okay, Tony, hold on one second. Hey, I'm a kid at this party. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, or more I could be like, uh, this is Julie, I'm at the Nitro Halloween party. <laughs> Lee? Uh, 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 Lee? Lee? Lee left. Lee? He, he's in the next room. Lee, did you hit the mini bar? Lee? 
Lee's doing nitro shots in the next room. <laughs> it's getting a bit crazy here, Tony. I'm going to put Lee back on the line. Hey, this is Lee. <laughs> yeah. Oh, did I miss anything while I was gone? <laughs> I got to tell you, Tony, Lee, Julie's getting a little crazy over here. <laughs> oh, Julie's taking my shirt off, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Oh, it's getting a little hot and steamy Julie, here, Tony. Back to you. Julie's taking my shirt. I mean, her shirt off, Tony. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, a lot of stuff going on here. It's louder than uh, Nancy Sullivan and uh, Kevin Sullivan's hotel room last night, Tony. Oh, wait, sorry. It was, it was Chris Benoit there. Never mind. <laughs> Lee Marshall signing off. <laughs> uh, the consummate professional, Lee Marshall. Uh, oh, absolutely. Lacey Green yells at Nick Patrick. Uh, and enter Eddie Guerrero, who they literally just told us before the break has a broken rib from last night, and apparently literally has a broken rib from Jesus last night. Jesus Christ. What yep. kind of shitty boss would make a guy wrestle with a broken rib? <laughs> well, and also the kayfabe injuries that Benoit just, has yeah. after he got destroyed. Yep. He is a, his opponent tonight is Chris Benoit, who is entering to the horseman theme instead of his own tonight, and also supposedly has a dislocated or almost dislocated shoulder. What the fuck? <laughs> <sighs> Although, could you, were you also, uh, when I saw this was the matchup, number one, I was like, holy shit, this is free TV, this is awesome. <laughs> but I also couldn't help but think of WrestleMania 20, which kind of made me sad. No, see, I, I was with you on the first thought. I was like, oh my god, Benoit versus Guerrero, this is great. And then the bell rang. Yeah. Well, the, some of it was actually kind of comical, because at one point they kind of like run into each other, and they're both just down on the ground selling <laughs> their like, injuries. Ah, ah. It's Meanwhile, like, Eddie's, now I find yeah. out Eddie's not selling. He's literally like, what do I have to do this right. for? Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like in the middle of the match, you get a spot where like Peter Griffin's holding his knee. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Uh, we come back from break. And, and even the, as they point out, even the ref in the match is injured. So it's... it's <laughs> A mess all around. We come back from break for the actual match as Bischoff tells us that Hogan has demanded interview time tonight to respond to Roddy Piper. He also confirms that the NWO no longer wants Saturday night on TBS. They want Nitro as their own show. Mongo appears very shortly thereafter, and then we get a Goldman box for Jimmy Hart and Kevin Sullivan. Uh, he talks about woman for a bit, and we go back to the match where they do one spot and then both sell their injuries. <laughs> Uh, they continue to play like Roddy Piper isn't actually signed to the company that he asked for five minutes to speak last night and then left after speaking for right. 20 minutes. Uh, Bischoff then apologizes again to anyone who read the listings in the USA today, uh, today <laughs> because Macho Man was listed, but Macho Man isn't here. Uh, eventually, the shriekress herself woman hops on the apron to grab Patrick's attention. Mongo whacks Eddie in the ribs with the Halliburton fucking dick. <laughs> I thought that was a nice touch, actually. <laughs> That was, but he's actually that injured. Was, that's true. In retrospect, <laughs> and, yeah. And Benoit put, pins him for three. Wouldn't Patrick be anti-horseman because he's in, with the NWO? Mm. Yeah, but he just he's just a racist. Well, <laughs> I have to say, I have to say though that Mongo spot is maybe the best thing I've ever seen him do because he lifts it up so Eddie like covers his face and then Mongo like brings it yeah. down and jabs him in the ribs. That I thought that was that actually was, pretty that genius. That was good. Yeah. I just knowing that he actually had a broken rib, I just feel bad for him now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also, AC Green once again standing up and talking trash for a fair portion of yeah. this match, and I feel sorry for the guy standing behind him because that dude's six foot nine. <laughs> so, but also, if I wanted to see a virgin talk trash to a bunch of wrestlers, I'd, I'd just go on Twitter. So, yeah. Damn. 
Speaking of speaking of things that are racist, Sal, you talked about the WPAN and listening to the WPAN this week. Yeah. Did, did, did you did you catch the promo about nothing? Oh yeah, good old uh, Reverend Slick there. And um, yeah, but, uh, why oh. am I completely blanking on the other guy? Butch Reed. Butch, yeah, the natural Butch Reed saying he would beat the wet off of Pedro Morales' back. Yep, he said that Ooh. in the promo. And there was that a WWF promo or an AWA <sighs> promo? I, that was probably, I think it was WWF because he talked about him being a former champion. Oh, God, he actually said I'll beat the wet off his back. God, God. Anyway. Oh, wait, real quick question to help settle debate. Uh, Henry, okay. uh, Reverend Slick, that gimmick was a pimp, correct? I think okay. so. Somebody, I don't know. Somebody call Crockett. I don't know if he was. I don't know if he was spent. We got one more for Crockett. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Uh, and and Liv Morgan's hotter than Carmella, right? He was, he was a reverend. He was a reverend. He couldn't oh, no, be a pimp. Not at all. Yeah, and Henry, Liv Morgan's hotter than Carmella, right? Henry, Henry. Uh, sure, <laughs> no, yes. No, I mean, I know. Oh, sorry. Uh, Tony is with Nick Patrick for the third week in a row, but this week there's an attorney present. This so who does Corey Graves think is hot? <laughs> Mandy, uh, Mandy Rose. Uh, the, the the attorney oh. sucks Nick's dick for a while. What the fuck is going on? Uh, the attorney blames Jericho for the injury that prevented Patrick from counting the three after Macho Man's elbow drop last night. Uh, so Jericho appears and yells at Nick Patrick. I don't know who it is that's playing this attorney, but he does slimy fuckbag really, really well. Uh, I actually know. I, I looked this up if you'd like to sure. know. Sure. So they introduce him as Attorney Alan Sharp. This this guy, his real name actually is Alan Sharp, <laughs> and he is the he is the legit director of public relations for WCW from 1993 to 2001. Then it's a good thing they used so, his real name. I know. Uh, so he's not. I don't think he's an attorney, yeah. but he is the director of public relations. Then then Teddy Long appears and he yells at the attorney. Uh, Bischoff and Brain start yakking at each other as Long talks to the attorney, and the attorney responds, and then Tony sends us to break after as Eric and the Brain continue to talk. It's like even 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 Bischoff and Heenan just gave up on this after a point. Now you yeah. thought that Fat Teddy Long is still yes, weird to yes. see. Yes. Now you thought this, that the attorney did a good job at playing that character because I put in my notes he needs to go back to acting school, and apparently he I was never he, an uh, actor. So well, yeah, I I thought he was very good at being a slimy scumbag. Uh. I'll break the tie. I thought he was pretty good, too. If you want to talk to Mr. Patrick, <laughs> you need to talk to me. Yeah. Mr. Uh, my, one of my notes here was that uh, the attorney accuses Jericho of hurting Nick Patrick, which is why he wasn't able to adequately referee the Hogan-Savage match, which I think officially makes this the closest Jericho ever came to the main event picture in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> that also, was it. Jericho coming out there, <laughs> Mr. Friggin' White Knight Babyface. Let me tell you something, lawyer. I'm like, oh my god, stop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I don't like Jericho as that, you know, come on, baby, baby face. It's just, oh, it's like cringeworthy. Yeah. Agreed. I don't know when they actually, when he does turn heel in WCW, to be no, honest with you. They might have no. a long road there, Adam. Can't wait. Uh, when we come back, it is Booker T with Sister Sherry. His opponent tonight is Lex Lugar. Uh, during Luger's entrance, I noticed that over above the commentary desk, there's actually a screen. Nitro has a screen now. As the match begins, Yay. we get Colonel Parker in a Goldman box who says there's no dissension between himself and Harlem Heat, uh, which is why he's not fucking there. Uh, this is a surprisingly long and surprisingly hard-hitting match as Luger just fucking takes it to Booker and beats the snot out of him. 
Mm. Bischoff promises us the entire Piper promo after this match and continues to try and convince us that Roddy Piper is not actually a member of WCW. But what if, he says, but what if? Yeah, Piper's not on the roster. That's why I gave him a live mic on pay-per-view and are going to replay his entire promo after the match. Right. Yeah, the entire promo. Wink, wink. We'll get to that. Pennywise Sting then reappears and Luger just pieces the fuck out to go after him. So Luger legitimately beats the shit out of Booker and then just goes and gets counted out. Right. Yeah, and also kind of makes Sting look like a bitch because he walks away before Luger can get to him. So it's kind of like, it kind of makes Sting look like a bit of a chicken shit, doesn't it? (laughs) I have a few notes on this. I wouldn't say that, but. Match slash segment. Yeah. Uh, Please. So Luger, again, becoming the only person in history that can vocally sell giving someone an arm ringer. (laughs) <laughs> uh, also, Luger Luger at one point picked up Booker T in a press slam. I think he lost him halfway because it, it looked it looked awesome. Yes, fuck, he did. Um, boy, WCW goes to commercial breaks at weird times. Like WWF, <laughs> I'll give them credit. Even at this mm. point, ninety six times out their shit pretty good. There's a pinfall attempt, and they're like, "We'll be in commercial." Yeah. And or sometimes in that promo there with Nick Patrick, they just cut it off while the promo is still yeah. going on, and they like play the music and just go to break. So yeah, uh, great stuff. For some reason, when Booker went up for the Harlem Hangover, I instantly knew he was going to miss. Just just the amount of time so, that. It thank took. goodness. And how the fuck did Luger get distracted by a guy in the bleachers? <laughs> yeah, how would how would you have even notice? Right, him? like he just stops completely what he's doing. Oh, I'm going to go up there. Like what? <laughs> Is it Sting? Is that my friend Sting? Hey, Sting! Sting! Hey, Stinger, come back! Oh, actually, I, I, I will say, though, on that note, Sherry does make a good case for that, because she's distracted by A.C. Green for a large portion of this match. <laughs> like, she, she is talking shit to A.C. Green for, like, most of the match. She's also saying, hey, get sexy Lexi, get him, get him, Booker! Yeah. Oh, Rack man. him, Luga! Oh. Rack him, Luga! Yeah. Oh, Kevin Sullivan's out there? No, that was Sherry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I didn't realize Sherry was from fucking Somerville, Mass. All right. Wait, that's not really where Sullivan's from, is it? I think he's from Cambridge, actually. Yeah, if if you listen to him talk, you can hear his fucking accent. It's ridiculous. Uh, (laughs) Imagine that, a guy named Sullivan from Boston. Go figure. Uh, So... Yeah. So we go to break, like you said. Eric again tells us that Roddy Piper called and asked for five minutes to confront Hogan on live television. He continues to insist that we not read anything into it and then says they're going to play the entire promo. And then they cut in the middle of the promo, like (laughs) earlier than they cut last night. They have been promising to play the entire unedited clip all night long, and they cut it before the pay-per-view even went off the air. Yep. I was gonna say, the and they double down because they, they say, hey, we went off the air before we could give you the promo in its entirety. So we're going to give you that tonight, folks. And then they don't. Nope. Insane. Not even close. Uh, also, by the way, though, nice, nice job if you paid for it last night, suckers. Because <laughs> we're showing the best part on free TV. Oh. The giant, DiBiase, Vincent, and Hogan are making their way to the ring for Hogan's response to Piper. But first... Hogan has to talk to Macho and tell him he's going to fuck Elizabeth. Uh, he completely yep. lies about Piper, and then DiBiase tells him to entertain the NWOites. I was appalled that this was how the show yes, went. Right? He starts us off with a little dance, and then 
You know it, brother. Hogan's got a pose. We close the show and, with the old Hogan yeah. pose routine. I don't know what you think. That is... Oh. But uh, this show did not live up to the pay-per-view that preceded it. I, I could not believe that the night after Roddy Piper makes his debut in WCW, that you end the show with literally Hulk Hogan posing after cutting a promo. Like, he's, it's like the, it literally is just that. It's Hogan, like, doing his poses like he always does after matches. I was like, that's, that's it? That's, that is how you end this show? Like, I can't imagine being satisfied nah. by that ending if I'm a WCW fan. I'd be waiting for fucking nah, Piper to show remember, up. It wasn't, it wasn't a debut. He's not, Roddy Piper just wanted to talk on live TV. Oh. He's not actually done the WCW. But what if, right? What if, right? Yeah. Right? What if, Yeah, right? but, but what, but that's, but what they do, I think Bischoff basically says it at the end where he's like, oh, well, after, after what Hogan just said, I, I'd like to hear what Piper has to say. <laughs> basically, like hinting like, you know, we're going we're gonna to bring him back, but, but not tonight because that'd be too satisfying <laughs> for the fans, clearly. Or maybe they were trying to like make you buy the replay so you'd have to see Piper then. I don't fucking – but I guess there'd be no point because you just saw it on free TV. So, yeah, it made no goddamn Fans, sense. Fans, buy the I was replay like, and help ridiculous. us identify this unknown man who followed Roddy Piper <laughs> down to the ring. Yeah. So um, you had mentioned this earlier, and it, it really rang true on this portion of the show. Where the fuck are the outsiders in six? <laughs> like, that yeah. actually, I think, makes the segment a little bit better. Like, hey, we dominated the pay-per-view last night. Uh, we're awesome. The NWO for life. No, it's just Hogan and, and fucking DiBiase, which is weird enough yeah. being a WWF fan to see those two in the, on the same page. Uh, and then Hogan just lies and, and he poses. You kind of hope that, like, something was going to happen while he was posing. But no, they just fucking end the show, and I'm just thinking, wow, that's a typical fucking nitro at that, at that because it wasn't. Hogan's got a pose, brother. It was not good, and uh, it really was anticlimactic. After what I thought was a decent pay per view, so yeah, absolutely. I, I can't imagine that they end many nitros with Hogan just posing, <laughs> though. Do they, Adam? Yeah. I mean, that that seems like it would be very uh, unsatisfying. Not really. He just happened a couple of times, more so when he was a face. But this is the first time I, I remember. I mean, he's obviously he's closed the show before, but with an actual promo, not not just yeah, a pose down. Like, well, I get it. I get it if he poses after he wins a match, and that's how you end the show. Because there's a little, there's at least a little bit of satisfaction there. Where you're like, okay, Hogan won the match, but this is just like Hogan cuts a shitty promo, and now he's posing, and fans well, were out of time. Well, that was the thing, though. DiBiase kind of set it up as. You know, hey, we were waiting to do this, so I'm assuming he hasn't actually posed since the NWO formed. Am I correct? Maybe. Hmm. He must have. But no, I think you, I think you may be right. That's what. I, that's the only thing I didn't mind was like, okay, that was some decent heel work. Like, hey, I'm gonna throw this thing in your face that you guys loved so much when I was a face, which would have uh... made sense the night after he won the title from the Giant. <laughs> Don't know why you're doing two, it now. Two months ago, right? Well, now that you say it that way, it still blows. It still blows. It still blows either way. Um, picking, <laughs> picking a match of the night here is tough, as oh. all the matches tonight seem to just be backdrops to more NWO shenanigans. So, ugh, fucking, I don't know, Jarrett versus Morton, maybe? Jeez. Mm. Uh, over on Cage Match, this episode has a 4.5 out of 10. <laughs> I'm generous. I pulled in a TV rating of 3.6. Uh, one last mm-hmm. thing before we go. It is time to attend to some business. 
Uh, this episode of Nitro was the last for one Ricky Morton. He makes one last appearance with WCW, oh. the aforementioned tag match on Saturday night against the Faces of Fear, and then he's gone. Uh, with a record of 0-6 on Nitro and having accomplished absolutely nothing in WCW during his tenure, does Ricky Morton go to the rafters to forever be enshrined in the Nitro Mania Hall of Fame, or is he dumpster-bound? I'd send him to the rafters just for the fact that he's part of one of the most legendary tag teams of all time. But, but speaking, that's speaking just specifically about Nitromania, this is the Nitromania Hall of Fame, where he's 0 for 6 and has not done a goddamn thing except lose to Ric Flair and Arn Anderson over and over again. Well, it seems like you're really stacking the deck here. So, uh, you know what? He still has that mullet to this very day. So, so, so fuck him, throw him in the dumpster. Sal? So, if this was, um, you know, AWA's uh, Saturday Night Slam or perhaps like NWA Flair for the Gold, then yeah, Ricky Morton belongs on the rafters. But his appearances on Nitro... <laughs> Were, or, or Richard Morton and the York Foundation. Oh, Richard York, Richard Morton, <laughs> the York Foundation. Um, but his appearances on Nitro were um, wasteful at best. So uh, in the dumpster he goes. Yes. Uh, to the point where I actually did it before we started because uh, Raccoon Reigns looked hungry. <laughs> With that, we shall head over to the USA Network for episode 182 of Monday Night Raw, which is one week old from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, the real Double J, Jesse James. Oh, I thought you were going to have me handle this. Oh, you've okay. Yeah, you you seemed uh, ambivalent to the idea, but okay. No, I, I was going to do it. I was going to do it. Go ahead. Yeah, well, as you said, the real Double J, Jesse James, defeated Salvatore Sincere. Sincerely. Uh, <laughs> yes, he did. Crush defeated Aldo Montoya. Billy Gunn defeated Freddie Joe Floyd. So this, this is the state of the WWF <laughs> in 1996 right now. Uh, in the main event, though, WWF champion Shawn Michaels defeated the British Bulldog. And a 15-minute match was actually very good. Um, but you get Shawn Michaels wrestling on free TV. Wait, whoa, 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 but whoa, whoa, whoa. funny whoa. enough... Shawn Michaels defeated the British Bulldog on October 28th of 1996? What's that? Indeed. Their, like, ninth match this year? <laughs> yeah, probably. They, I think... They they had quite the, wasn't it ninety five as well I think yeah. they had a feud too maybe well there was the yeah there, yeah, there was the feud uh, was it leading to R- Rumble where where uh, so, David Boy was accusing Michaels of sleeping with Diana yeah that was that was more toward whatever the April pay per view was yeah because I did actually I was on um, the Raw is Nitro Is podcast with Lee Carlos Cunningham Beware of Dog was May. Because we actually covered the raw oh. after Beware of Dog, which was basically in between the two, the, the two Beware of the two Dog. Beware. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and yes, they were doing the angle where I, – I didn't remember this, but at the first taping of Beware of Dog, they teased because Shawn Michaels hit him with the German suplex and both their yeah, shoulders right. were down. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a point where Diana Hart was literally holding up the WWF title upside down, by right. the way. I remember that. <laughs> nice touch. But like I – I didn't remember that because I was like, "Holy shit!" They teased the bulldog yeah. winning the title. So that was, but so um, that was that. That was the the storyline with Sean and Diana was going into Beware of Dog. Yes. So yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. So it was more of a '96 feud. But yes, they fought for 15 minutes on free TV. But funny enough, the biggest angle in the week for the WWF did not happen on Raw, but rather on Superstars over the weekend. Uh, you may have heard of this one. Brian Pillman was cheering on the fact. Excuse me, cheering on the fact that Bret Hart would be returning at the Survivor Series, which didn't sit too well with his old pal, Stone Cold Steve Austin. So what does Austin do? He takes a chair, 
wraps it around Pillman's ankle, goes to the second rope, and jumps onto the chair, snapping it like a dry and twig. The verb is born. So, yes, the verb, of course, being Pillmanizing. Uh, we actually had a Pillmanizing incident just a few months ago, in fact, at Survivor Series 2018, where Charlotte put a chair around Ronda Rousey's neck and stomped it, and that was so devastating that Ronda walked off backstage on her own. <laughs> so I guess it's lost a little bit of an effect. But uh, So on that note, on Raw... The biggest thing that happened on the show was likely when Vince mentioned that they would be interviewing Pillman live from his home next week, to which Austin says that he's going to have to make a house yeah. call. So I think I think you know what's going to happen next. How that's going to go. Yeah, have fun. Be sure to cover that next week. I did week. Yeah. not realize he Pillmanized his ankle on Superstars. Right? It, yeah, shit. that must be like yeah. the, that's got to be the last noteworthy superstars <laughs> angle he ever did. Which is a damn shame because they used to have a ton of them. Yeah. Yes. And I have to say, too, like the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin we associate nowadays is like, you know, the beer spilling redneck, you know, causing a lot of havoc. Um, but like this, this Stone Cold in 96 is the one where he's basically just like a fucking psychopath. Yeah, this is the, the Stone like, oh. Cold of Stone yeah, Cold. Yeah, he is a raging yeah, exactly. friggin' maniac at this point, hell bent yeah. on destroying anything yeah. in front of him. Yeah, so. Which, if you're going to watch anything from this episode of Raw, by the way, they do like a side by side where Bret Hart is like live via yes. satellite in Calgary, where literally Bret Hart's just sitting there like petting his fucking cat. <laughs> Whereas like Austin's like going fucking yeah. crazy, where he's like beating up a stagehand. It's just like it's an amazing contrast yeah, was, between the that two. That was kind of the big, the big tentpole of this episode of Raw. Was Austin was at the, the at Titan Towers at the studio in Connecticut, uh, and Bret was at his home in Calgary, which Austin rightfully points out. Why the fuck am I in Connecticut if he gets to, and not in Texas if he gets to be at home in Calgary? <laughs> but right. uh, yeah, some in some in between bits here. Uh, so after Road Dog, uh, sorry, he's not Road Dog yet. After the real Double J defeats Salvatore Sincere with the pump handle slam, with no butt fucking, uh, Doc Damn Hendricks it. promotes the Survivor Series weekend in New York City with the Hall of Fame and the Survivor Series, and he is interrupted by Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, the match graphic, by the way, for Survivor Series '96, uh, the the title match uh, for, between Shawn Michaels and Sid, projects them onto the twin towers. That did not age well. Oh, oh. Um, yeah. So Steve Steve is pissed that he had to come to Connecticut from Texas while Brett gets to sit on his couch in Calgary with his fucking cats. Yeah. Uh, as I said, Bret Hart plays with his cat while Stone Cold yells at a makeup woman. Uh, Mark Marrow calls in to talk about Mr. Perfect's double cross last week. Um, I, by the way, I remember that double cross too because it made no fucking sense. <laughs> You're correct. Because literally, what happens is like, yeah, literally, what happens is basically, you know, Triple H and Mr. Perfect have been pictures being at odds, and they basically do a thing where Mr. Perfect is like stretching backstage, like he's about to have yeah. a match, and you see Triple H come he in and gonna, like push one of those cards make his into grand his leg, in, his grand in-ring return against Triple H. Yeah. Right. So literally, you see backstage. Who isn't Triple H yet, actually. But yeah. Yeah, but you literally see Hunter Hearst Helmsley shove the cart into into Mr. Perfect's yeah. leg, and Perfect goes down to the ground. and He's selling it, and then it's revealed, oh, they were all in on it together. <laughs> so it's like, are we not are we not supposed to take a fucking injury, or we're not supposed to like take someone getting rammed with a cart seriously? Mm-hmm. Like they they just decided to do that on their own. It's so fucking yeah. weird. And and also another note is that Mr. Perfect is basically released from the WWF like a couple days from now. <laughs> so. Uh, so he's done. Before that, he does defeat Phineas I. Godwin in the first round of the Karate Fighters tournament. Uh, yep, and then they sub in somebody else. <laughs> yeah, so as you said, next week on Raw, Brian Pillman will be live from his home in Cincinnati. Austin is pissed about this as well, threatens to visit Pillman at his home next week, so I'm sure they'll just have a couple of drinks, maybe some hors d'oeuvres. Uh, then a recap of the birth of the verb Pillmanize. Please, uh, as, as Henry said, please go back and watch this promo. 
from Raw because this is this is iconic Stone Cold Steve Austin. It yes. is, it's a beautiful thing. Yep. Uh, yep. And obviously, we the, the Stone Cold we all know and love is great too. But this is like the the start of where he's just just pissed off at the world. And it's not like the goofy pissed off, like I'm going to hit you head with a bedpan. It's the goofy, like I'm, I'm going to fucking kill yeah. somebody, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Which, well, I guess, which kind of almost comes to fruition next week. But <laughs> stay, stay tuned for that. So, yeah, not a horrible episode of Raw. Certainly a classic Stone Cold night as he interrupts a number of segments and just is an all around badass the entire night. Uh, this episode does defeat Nitro on Cage Match with a 5.83, but once again falls in the ratings, getting just a two. Ouch. A two. A fucking two. That's. Which is hilarious because on my timeline right now in, ni- in March of 99, they literally just got like a 6.3. <laughs> Something yeah, tells are, me they'll draw in, the in ratings next week. We are in the midst of the, uh, of the previously mentioned 83 weeks. So, Oh, yeah. Uh, elsewhere in the world on October 28th, 1996, it was the 504th anniversary of Christopher Columbus landing in Cuba, the 48th anniversary of Paul Muller being awarded the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his in- discoveries of the insecticidal properties of DDT. Bill Gates celebrated his 41st birthday. Jake the Snake Roberts. Yeah. Mayumi Ozaki celebrated her 28th birthday. You may remember her as being Andy's favorite wrestler from the 1995 World War III pay-per-view. <laughs> and the next night, Night's Nitro. Uh, MVP turned 23. Christy Hemi turned 16. And my doctor, Matt Smith, turned 14. Uh, so with that, let's return to the present. You let a 14-year-old <laughs> operate on you? Henry, what have you got to plug? Doogie House. Oh, I'll just plug the the Raw Attitude podcast. If you're not familiar with it, we basically go week by week on episodes of Raw in the Attitude Era. Both of you have been nice enough to come on that show, and it's kind of like uh, the way it is now. The way I've kind of done each episode, it's basically a time capsule of each week. So you get the recap of Raw, and you also get a little bit of a touching on Nitro, and also I'll read some notes from The Observer, read some notes from that week's Death of WCW, that book, and uh, maybe play some audio clips from uh, when wrestlers guest star on TV shows like Undertaker <laughs> being on, on Poltergeist The Legacy, which I completely forgot about, or The Rock guest starring on that TV show The Net, based on the Sandra Bullock movie. So basically, if you listen to it, I'm, I'm trying to transport you right back into that very week and what was going on in wrestling at that time. So I think it's a it's a pretty damn fine show, mm-hmm. and I think you should listen to it. The Raw Attitude Podcast, breaking down Raw in the Attitude Era. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that uh, with that assessment. Um, you know, there is some space between episodes, but but I think it's 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 well deserved because, like you said, you you do so much research for those, and you've got so much the background information and and all the other stuff that you throw in there, all the little details and and just kind of easter eggs and everything i think uh uh you you put a lot of work into that and i think it it really shows so uh i'm a fan i always love coming on i think do i still have the record uh, on most appearances i think i think you do yes um yep and i have uh pretty much every episode is like 20 pages in microsoft (laughs) words which which you can which you can uh get access to by by becoming a patron correct that's true i've pretty much given up on the patron i've kind of shut that (laughs) down but uh, but if you ask, I'll give it to you. It's right now. Literally, it's it's. I think I'm right now close to 900 pages since I've started in in Microsoft I Word. I, so I don't keep my notes for this show. I delete them once once I'm done recording. But um, yeah, I mean, I've still got I've got a couple more. I think on the docket for for episodes coming up in the future on on uh, the RAP, and we'll see where it goes from there. But uh, uh, Sal, what do you got? So, coming March 1st, hopefully, uh, is going to be the next episode of WrestleMania Salvation, 
This time, it's going to be WrestleMania 24. I'm going to be handling this episode solo. Uh, is that is that the that flair? Is, I'm sorry, I love okay. you. That is exactly that WrestleMania. Um, oh, you couldn't you couldn't get anybody to cover that one with you? Oh uh, no, I, I feel like doing this one by myself because I have okay. some. I want to have some guests lined up for 25, 26, and of course the infamous 27. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember anything about twenty seven. Is that yeah? Miz? Oh yeah, okay, okay, yeah. That's Miz and Cena and uh, but, also The Rock. I'll say about twenty five. I know it has my favorite WrestleMania match. That's my favorite match. Period of all time is on that. Uh, one. You're talking about Randy Orton versus Triple H. <laughs> exactly. Best main event. Of so all time. I, I'm looking forward to presenting WrestleMania 24 on WrestleMania Salvation on the Rundown Wrestling Network. Um, I vocalized that I feel bad for Henry coming up in your timeline because you get a lot of Vince Russo. And I feel bad oh, yeah. for Adam on this timeline because you're going to get a lot of uh, NWO, maybe more than you really want. But then again, I'm in 2008 in my timeline, and uh, that's uh, an interesting yeah. point. We're before the Nexus, and we're before the Summer of Punk, so we're we're treading water uh, with John Cena at the top of the card. But uh, I'll, well, that's that's many years. <laughs> Fortunately, I think I have a bad Floyd Mayweather spot coming up in my episode, but we will get through it as we oh. always do at WrestleMania Salvation. For the record, I like that match. Oh, you're the guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, so again, you can find that over at rundownwrestling.com, the new internet home of the Rundown Wrestling Network. Uh, you check out there. Check out all of our shows over there, WrestleMania Salvation, Nitromania, Hurry Up and Cruiserweight, uh, the Rundown itself, uh, NXT Revisited, NXT Revisited Classic, uh, Glow with the Dishonorable Discharge is the, the Ring of Honor one that Troy does. <laughs> Um, Dick Trickle? <laughs> even an episode of Storytelling with Troy um, that you can uh, check out over there. Um, in the month of March, you can find me uh, at APW on the 9th in Newburyport, uh, Liberty States Wrestling in Peabody on the 16th, and Astromania, a joint production of Liberty States Wrestling and official Ring of Honor superstar Brian Malonis at Pinkerton Academy mm-hmm. in Derry, New Hampshire on March 30th. Tickets are still available. Go to astromanialsw.com to purchase them. $15 uh, for bleachers, $20 for floor. It is all general admission. Uh, for exclusive episodes in series you can't hear anywhere else, hence hence my use of the word exclusive, become a patron at patreon.com slash rundownwrestling and get goodies. Uh, now we have stickers and uh, apparently magnets and all kinds of stuff. So join for as little as $5 a month over there on Patreon. Uh, thank you all for listening once again to episode 59 of Nitromania. Henry, thank you for joining me for this super sode. Sal, thank you for of course. trick-or-treating in your weird booty man pants. Um, please don't ever show up at my door wearing that again. Um, any last words from either of you before we head on out? Well, Adam, it was a lot of fun being here. <laughs> Julie? <laughs> Adam, <laughs> I gotta ask you, now that we're all on this episode, doesn't Henry sound like a, a host we used to have on the rundown years ago? Hmm. I get that from time to time. I don't... I personally, I don't see it. I don't see I mean, it. But. One of two. He either sounds like Coco, <clears throat> Sean, or Raccoon Reigns, but uh, 
It's probably just me. Yeah. 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 I mean, they all start to blend together at some point. So, you know, when, the more podcasts you listen to, guys just start to sound like each other, I think. I think, those, I think those weird, fringy armbands are cutting off the circulation to your brain. Hey, I, yeah, I think borrowed so. this outfit from you, so don't act like you didn't know where it came from. <laughs> How dare you, sir. We're going to have words. On that note, I will talk at you guys next time right here on Mitromania. socks and get ready. Yes! Sal! Oh! Yes! Sal! <laughs> Sal got 14 cents. Son of a bitch. <laughs> I fucking won. <laughs>